And we're back live again uh, on a Sunday, which actually is probably better than our usual Fridays because everything's getting set, including a game that literally just ended a second before we just got on. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. But first, I do have to issue another apology because because of the tropical storm and losing power, everything this week podcasting-wise has been kind of thrown off a bit. Jeff was on vacation, so... yeah, um, that's, back. Kind of, that's kind of why we're doing this podcast today, but also... It seemed to be a better day to do it, um, but unfortunately, because of that, everything else got pushed back. Obviously, the podcast went on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday, which I'm kind of bummed about because you're doing really good at having those come out on Tuesday. So, unfortunately, that was out of my control of getting that one out there. But we have hockey to discuss. The playoffs are we officially do. starting in the next couple of days. Uh, there's only two more games left. The West. Uh, Run, last round robin to to determine the third and fourth seeds, and also game five of the Blue Jackets and uh, Maple Leaf series. Um, and before I get too too far into everything, uh, just a quick disclaimer: if you don't already know, because the time is going to be on this podcast before you even listen to it, there's a good chance this is going to be a longer it, podcast, possibly yes, a longer, very long or, podcast, yeah, possibly even longer than. Uh, or trade deadlines or any of those type of podcasts and even those ones don't really disclaim us but i do want to do that just because this one's going to be longer if you aren't a big fan of longer podcasts then uh we do have something for you we're going to try to break it down to segments possibly or maybe half and those you'll be able to find on our youtube page not the whitmer quick youtube page because we're still in the process of changing things over uh, as I mentioned on that uh, best of for the little bit I was on there giving you an update was we do have a potential name and that is the underachievers for the, the underachievers podcast for that uh, roundtable series. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see everything change. Our hockey podcast will be on the Michael Mitch podcast page that would change over to Whitmer Quake podcast and the underachievers for the Whitmer Quake podcast, if that makes sense to anyone at all. Yeah. Um, so but if not, on that, just look out for the changes. Yes, and we'll alert, yeah. that's where, if you're new to our podcast, that's where original podcasts, when you first start off, were coming to that from that YouTube page. It was originally me and Mitch doing podcasts. Jeff stepped in since Mitch, you know, stopped doing these. And if you really want, <laughs> you really want a good one, you can get Jeff and I's original takes of fl- the Flyers unveiling uh, Gritty. We have a po- we I have forgot a po- about that. Gritty, yeah. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> you, the ghost. Yes, if you can't already tell from Jeff's reaction to that, you can see how we were when first announced Gritty. Uh, you can find that on you- that YouTube page. And I've always, as always, yeah. to stay best up to date, follow our YouTube pa- or YouTube page too, from a great podcast, but our WNQ podcast, Twitter and Instagram pages. Those are the best ways to stay up to date. And I think that's all I got. If you can yep. think of anything I forgot about, that's pretty much it. Nope, so that's progress it. here. After a month ago, we said all the changes that were coming to the podcast. It's been little, but very soon you're going to see bigger changes coming to it. Um, yep. Anywho, back to the podcast for today. And because there were so many series that happened, we're not going to go through every single one of them because it's just going to be too boring, even for us. Uh, so we're just going to, as a series, I don't know if we're going to continue it series-wise as the playoffs go on, but for this, we're doing kind of we'll talk about what, it. Stuck, what stuck out to us, uh, highlights, lowlights, stuff like that throughout the playoffs so far. Yes. Uh, what we liked, what we didn't like so far, questions, the biggest surprises, and all that. All that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, 
but for today's yeah uh yeah just do the lineup first i think that's where you're so going. for today's starting lineup we're gonna start off with a segment Spencer that Howard, uh, uh starting oh there you go we're gonna start off with uh, you know a fun little competition that mike and i have been doing we'll get into that in just a second I mentioned it briefly on the last podcast we did. We did. Um, we obviously by now, I'm sure you guys know who the number one seeds are in the East and Western Conference. But if if you're not, not, we'll break that down. Uh, we will go over the just the how a series turned out for each qualifying round. We won't dive deep, like Mike said. We won't do a deep dive on each series. We'll probably pick out our favorite series to watch or the most interesting ones. Um, Those that took out to and, us, stuff like that. Exactly. And then we'll break down the seeding so far in the East and West. Who's playing who and which matchups? There are still a couple uh, playoff uh, implications that are coming up later today. Uh, and one just ended a few. So. Yeah, exactly. East and West. And one just ended uh, just minutes ago between Washington and Boston. And we now know who's playing the New York Islanders and who's playing the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll get to that later. We have the highlights and the lowlights, uh, you know, what stuck out to us in each of the qualifying rounds. We have our game five predictions tonight between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's an 8 p.m. start Eastern time. Uh, one thought I like to have, and this kind of goes hand-to-hand with the qualifying rounds, are playoff spoilers. Which team surprises the most, whether it was a good surprise or a bad surprise? And, of course, we have the draft lottery tomorrow, and we will predict who we personally think will get the number one overall pick. And we have a fun little bet going on with that. And to conclude, we got some Flyers hockey. Yes. So with that, let's talk it's playoff beers. definitely going to be a longer podcast for sure. We're going to be talking oh, yeah. a lot. Jeff and I became prepared. We have beverages, so we don't get too um, parched or anything while talking for so long. Well, uh, I'm but, almost done mine, so that's an issue. <laughs> yeah, about halfway, so I'm going to have to periodically drink this as we go yeah. on. But let's just dive right into this. Yep. And Jeff and I, we have a couple friendly wagers going on. And another yes, friendly wager we haven't said yet, but once everything does get set on this podcast, Jeff and I are going to be doing our own separate uh, brackets, yes. and we're going to be bringing up periodically throughout these uh, playoffs and see who does better out of those. I know Jeff Correct. has a couple of those that he usually does, but this one's specifically going to be for the podcast. Yes. Um, we'll keep you up to date on how we're doing and all that. Yes. Um, but the, be fun. we have a couple of friendly waiters going on. But another one is, of course, for hockey sense, more than any other sport, really, uh, there's the playoff beards. And Jeff and I started doing ours in between these two podcasts that we've done. And so far, this yeah. has been able to grow out. So – right away right now it looks like mike's beard is a lot better than mine but mm-hmm. right now it's literally just because of my leg i do have a full beard yeah. here and everything it's just very rather very light and hasn't grown in enough and mike, said, on the other hand you you've got a nice goatee going for you there buddy. i do but i already made them uh before we got on i made the little thing saying i may have to trim it up some so i don't know how well that's gonna go um but, i don't know I can't do a Brett Burns or Joe Thornton beard. I can't do it. Why not? You would look so awesome in that. I would not. I've done it before. I'm sure I can you find have? a picture. Yeah, I can I can bring it up, I'm sure, and show you when oh, I was too geez. lazy to shave during college one time. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'll yeah. That yeah, that's that's a different story. We can yeah, we'll discuss that later. <laughs> uh speaking about different stories, um, 
when I trimmed it, when I complete, when, uh, when I completely shaved my beard off before the playoffs began, of course, um, I left cause I was curious. I had all of my beard shaved off and I thought, you know, I had a little bit left. It was just my mustache. I thought, what would I look like with a mustache? And so I left it for like two seconds. I looked nope. in the mirror and I said, Nope, no. I, I, Nope, no, exactly. My thought I, I looked right back in the mirror. I go, Nope. I hate it. I shaved it right off and just, Oof, it, it was not a good look for me at all. They're rarely, so, they're rarely good looks. So, hey, some people can you know can you know look good with a mustache, but oh my god, I'm not one of those people. I, I looked awful. Maybe so those like, cartoon nope. like old baseball-y kind of mustaches, yeah. sure. But have you seen Austin Matthews or Sidney no. Crosby or any of those, or really any other NHL player for that no, matter? Definitely a mustache that looks semi-decent. Mm-mm. Anyway, so yeah, so that that. But speaking of flow, how about Provorov's flow? Oh my God, I'm Provorov's. <laughs> also, Phil Myers with he's got with a little his, flow going. His yeah. nice flowy hair there, and uh, the lettuce is growing out for those guys. It, it's mm-hmm. oh. Also, Elliot oh, Freeman's good, got a good beard going too. He does. He's got a Joe Thornton beard. So, uh, so that's our playoff. But beard obviously, so far. as before, we get too far into the playoffs. Congratulations to both the Flyers, who we'll get to later, and obviously the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, getting the yes. first our first seeds in both the East and the West. And the Flyers, it matters some, but not really. But have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs now. There are some advantages to having the first seeds for, or at least again home ice advantage mm-hmm. uh for you know for this these playoffs one of the probably the most important one is you get the last line change which believe it or not is a big factor yeah. especially in these playoffs because you're looking for every advantage possible this is it so the flyers especially will have a huge as you advantage. get especially as you get deeper into the playoffs exactly if you're playing these teams you're just playing the round robin again if you say these are the better teams that on paper should be advancing then those are teams that you want to match the Kateria lines with their best line, right. Bergeron line, OV, exactly. uh, Kucherov, Pasternak. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, on to the qualifying rounds. Um, so we, wow, we uh, have, you know, a lot of series to break down. Um, we got which, a couple. Let's start with the upsets. We got all right, three so upsets. All right. So we had, uh, all right, so let's break down the Eastern Conference first, then go to the West. Okay. All right. In the East, not many people saw this coming. I, for one, had a strong feeling that this would happen, and it did in only four games. Montreal Canadiens upset mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games, the 12th seed beating the number five seed. Um, this one we're going to do a much more of a deeper dive on because this we'll is one of our. We'll come back. To we'll, it. we'll come back about to the these, deep dive. Let's talk about these series first, then come and then back. We'll, we have no, a whole, that's a great idea. We're going to have a whole thing on the Penguins. So. Exactly. So, so we have so much to talk about on the Penguins. We we might even uh, we'll probably have our own separate video for YouTube for. Uh, There's going to be the there Penguins. could be a couple. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there really could be because it could be one of the Flyers. That much to talk the about. league itself and penguins or whatever else we come up with exactly um, uh so looking at this series going into it did you feel like montreal had a chance like the slogan that's come out of these players is why why not us yeah um three months out i'm not that surprised Sidney crosby 
didn't play or really skate it until the first exhibition game. And hockey, more than any other sport, baseball some too, but that's more so getting timing right and everything mm. and getting your arm warmed up if you're a pitcher. That's the most key for training camp and that stuff. Training camp, preseason, all that stuff is so key. Even though it's a much shorter time versus the start of the season, it's still mm. key here. And you weren't with – there was – I don't even know what was wrong with Crosby, but for the longest time, he just wasn't. I know he had or, some sort of – it was like a core muscle surgery that kept him out for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, obviously, he's he wasn't the same. But no. um, He had you know, a, so that, he that had a really lucky goal in game one, but game one, he didn't yeah. look that good. Game two, he looked better, but – he progressively looked a little better, but still wasn't the same Crosby you're used to. Right. And realistically, the reason why, it's not a surprise. I'm not doing the Eagles thing of saying, oh, they're thinking we're underdogs and putting a dog mask on my face saying underdogs. Um, there's a reason why everyone, because Montreal gave up on the season. They traded away pieces at the deadline. So, because they could they, they, honestly they help them the, now. Yeah, Kovalchuk being one of them off the top of my head. That I can Who was actually doing really well for the Habs. Yeah. And um, now he's in Washington. Same with the Blackhawks, too. They traded away Leonard, and now they're going to face each other. Yeah, which Leonard is and Crawford. unbelievable. Um, so. But, yeah, that – I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, no, so going back to, to Montreal, though. Oh, yeah, that's um, what it was. The, there you go. I had a fast moment. <laughs> uh, you can check that video out too on you or on YouTube page. Um, but just Pittsburgh's just so much better talent around them than Montreal. One hundred percent. The whole on reason paper. why the reason why we even said it for Montreal to win was to carry prices down. That said, not that Pittsburgh did not did not dominate any of those games at all. But maybe a period or two, but that was it. Maybe game two a bit just because they won game two, right? Or was it game yeah. two they won? Yeah, they won. No, game it was game two. two. But still, with that talent on that team, you got to do better. And we're going to get to this later because I know you want to talk about Christian Jari. For me, it's yeah. not on Matt Murray. It's not on Matt Murray that they lost that series. That, that's, a big, that's a big factor right there. Um, and I'll say the same thing yeah. for Hank. Hank's not the reason why the Rangers no. lost. He even kept them in the game half the time. Yeah. More than half the time for the whole series. Uh, so for me, for – That's the way the Hurricane series went. I think people thought that's what the Penguin series was going to be. Right. So the way I'll put it – I'll put it this way is for the Penguins and their goaltending, who should start game one? I wasn't surprised that they went with Matt Murray. It made sense, but I would have been a little happier if they went with Tristan Jari instead uh, for the whole series. But for Murray, though, he had definitely had some rough moments. That's that's how it is. Um, there, there was that one goal. Uh, well, no, that was um, that was Barowski. No, it wasn't that. Sorry, no. You know what I'm thinking of. I, th- I think it was the goal against Jari actually in game four where it bounced off his helmet into the net. Um, but either way, though, uh, Murray. That's what, that's what 
does it in these playoffs. It's ugly goals. It's just the yeah, ugly like I just goal, met, yeah. Like I mentioned a second ago, but in that Florida Islanders games, that first goal in that game five, four, sorry, four. game four, uh, there was that really ugly goal that yeah. the Islanders scored. Yeah, but no, for uh, for Matt Murray, he, he definitely didn't look his best throughout the series. He didn't look terrible, but he didn't yeah. look great. He didn't but, make the saves he needed to. There's, yeah. I think there's definitely a couple goals he wish he could have gotten back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't get again, wrong. we'll he do kept... a deeper, we'll de- do a deeper right. draft on their goaltending later um, on. But, um, obviously, that's the biggest surprise so far. Yeah. Um, there you can make the argument. Um, I'm gonna jump to the west for a second here, yeah, absolutely. Um, because the, the east is still up in the air because there's one series still going on tonight, game five. And I don't think there was much of a surprise for the Florida Islander series. I like Florida. No, I, I was rooting I was, for Florida, but I was that was Florida that, I love. That, it's yeah. very Trotz. It was very Trotz versus Quinville. Trotz's system just was too much for Florida. And, and it showed. And, and, you know, and... Um, Florida still has a lot. Joel Florida has, has pieces, yeah. but they still have a lot. There, there's to, something missing there. I don't know what it... I think it's more so that they need a little bit more help on defense. Because they have yeah. a lot little, of depth. Yeah. But they really just have Ekblad there helping... You know, help leading yeah. the, they have the blue Keith line. Yando, but Keith Yando's more offensive. He's, he's getting up there in age anyway, True. but you know, yeah. he's an offensive defenseman. You know, he's yeah, but they, they and when we eventually break down Florida's team mm-hmm. uh, at some point over the next few weeks and everything, because one of the things I mentioned, Mike, do, we brought we did this last off season, and unfortunately, there's this playoff still going on in between. Yeah. Uh, the next se- seasons, we did deep dives last year. We're going to do that series again this upcoming season. Yes. Uh, the first few going to be teams that were just eliminated. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and also, uh, the other ones are, are going to be teams that didn't even make the playoffs. Right. But that just, um, yeah, that just saying Florida there was one of those teams. Right. You know, but for, for Florida, we'll break down even more about, mm-hmm. you know, what they should do uh, in the offseason, where they could draft. Uh, that we'll know by Monday, and um, you know, and so much more. So we'll get into that later. Um, but as, in, in the West, as you mentioned, a big one here: Chicago, kind of beating Edmonton kind of. in four the thing, games. The thing that's great about these playoffs is, for me at least, is that yeah. outside of some of the round robin games in the West, because I didn't really care, because I feel like all those teams and those four are significantly better than the teams that are going to have to play. The only team that gives me a challenge there is Calgary. The other team that I think they can kind of take, not easily, but yeah. fairly kind of easily. Those teams are significantly better than the teams they're going to have to face. But right. Edmonton is just Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. They don't have much yeah. else. They have Connor no McDavid help on answer. defense. They have Darnell Nurse. Yeah, Darnell Nurse and Bear. They're, okay. I'll put it this way. They're, they're playing not, the wrong guys. They're not playing Caleb Jones. They're playing guys who aren't doing much on defense, no. not helping the, and the blue biggest, line. The biggest flub, I guess I could, I'll say it, because we're going to do a uh, um, – I'm not going to say most surprising, but just dumb decisions made during these playoffs. The b- biggest one for me is starting Mike, Mike Smith in game one. I get last year in the playoffs for Calgary, even though they got swept, he did well. And he has the experience, but no, they lost in five to uh, Colorado. Because uh, they got swept by Colorado. I guess uh, it was wrong. They lost in five. Uh, uh, either I'm way, like, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, yeah. 
either way, my point being made that he was no. he wasn't the whole reason why they lost that series. And no. I get why he has this play of experience, but it's not great playoff experience. I'm not saying they're his most up. successful year is 2012 yeah. when he helped the Phoenix Coyotes make the conference finals against the Kings. But that was eight years ago. Yeah, and I'm not even really saying that um, at the moment. Uh, that Koiskinen is, I mean, Koiskinen is uh, 32. You already know what you're Ooh. getting from him. Yeah. He, okay, he's not stellar. Connor McDavid needs pieces. He needs wingers. He needs a lot. That team needs a lot. And I get bringing Athanasio over there and James. And I, I thought for, that was honestly a really good move, bring him in. I think that uh, was more so to help with the speed because they're yes. a fast team. Obviously, also, Connor McDavid's the fastest player in the league, but bringing Athanasio does help. But they, they had him, what, also brought point. in Tyler Ennis, which I thought was very interesting at the deadline. Yeah, very, and, in that first game, he's a very cheap, good fourth liner. He's gonna he played. He's gonna end up playing on fucking every team probably. No, but the crazy thing was is they had uh, Tyler Ennis, Andreas Athanasio with Connor McDavid in Game One after the deadline. All, th- all of them got goals in that first game because of their speed was phenomenal. And yeah. But again, yeah, there's a lot Tyler Ennis is a lot not of the kind of player I would want with made. McDavid. Anthony Sayo, I can see, but again, like you mentioned, he needs wingers. He, him and Dreisaitl can't do everything. You want that one-two so, punch where you have McDavid one, Dreisaitl two on two different lines to really spread out the scoring. But unfortunately, right now, you kind of have to – you're almost forced to keep them on the same line because that's where all of your scoring is coming from. Sure, you have other guys that are scoring, but not nearly as much as Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid. And honestly, because it's not even like they can – they don't have much space at all. And obviously, Edmonton's another team we'll get into later, but they got 223,000 cat. The cat's not going out much. They got to shed some type of salary. And they don't have draft picks. They got yeah. four this upcoming season. But Oof. the one benefit to them losing is they now have a chance at number one. If they, they get, have a twelve and a half percent chance. If they get Lafreniere, the if they get Lafreniere, that's huge for. There's his help. Finally, gets a winger. You don't have to use Ryan Nugent Hopkins on a wing. You don't have to lo- always use Dr- Leon Draisaitl on a wing. You still need other pieces. Not saying that he's going to completely fix everything because defensively they still have. A lot to happen. Yeah. So looking very quickly at Edmonton, like you mentioned, Mike, they have a first round pick. Chicago's sick as well. They don't have great defense either. No, they don't. They're they're getting older. Yeah. Um. They they had um. Well, shoot, what's his name? Uh, they sent him over to Buffalo and Alex Nylander trade. Uh, Henry uh Yoki Hario. 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 Uh, Yoki Hario. Uh, they traded him for Alex Nylander one for one. I like the deal, but I thought they gave up to they got too little. This makes you really go back to I can't, I forget their old GM's name, but no, it's still, he's still there, Stan Bowman. What I meant Edmonton. Oh, I lied, Edmonton. I'm sorry, I've sung on Chicago for a second about, no, about their defense. I was saying trading uh, Taylor Hall. Oh, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, one for one. Yeah, yeah. Peter Shirelli. Yeah, Peter Shirelli. Uh, but it doesn't help much more because they have Ken Holland as their GM. I'm not a fan favorite of him. He, I don't oh, yeah, think he's I done they the. Him, they brought him Mike Green. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So, 
for example, here are some of um, some of the moves that I mean, Ken Holland made. I think getting rid of Milan Lucic, who was doing nothing for you, and getting yeah. James Neal, who isn't the same James Neal, but he'll still but provide he's doing some better. Yeah, he's providing um, some offense and some help yeah. on the wing power play wise. He's it really helps him. But so by the really, way, it doesn't really matter much because um, power play wise, they just throw. Nugent Hopkins tries to McDavid out there with Neil, and it's just yeah. shut down. It's it's yeah. incredible. By the way, uh, speaking about that James Neal, Milan, and Lucci Street, it was a conditional third round pick involved. And the condition again was pick is transferred if James Neal scores 21 goals or more, and Milan Lucci scores 10 or fewer goals than Neal in this season. However, due to the shortened season, the NHL ruled that Edmonton will have to transfer a third-round pick either in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, so that they can't really – Edmonton can't really even do much in no. terms of doing better next season because next season they're going to have the same team essentially. Yeah. As in the is an RFA, which helps unless you just have someone offer sheets and you're like, okay, just take them just because, you know, you don't really have the cap space to take them over. But yeah. that's three mil you get back. That's not a lot, but it's something. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think, though, that, for for example, going back to Ken Holland for Edmonton, he's not my favorite GM. He's made some moves here and there that I'm questioning for sure, but there's other moves out there that I think he's, you know, done a relatively decent enough job yeah. to applaud him for, though. But, um, Again, but so either way, though. Last offseason, or at, by the time the la- – it feels like ages ago, but Connor McDavid was not – Happy at all with them? Oh, and there is there's, there's even that, yeah. Oh yeah, may come back to Edmonton. I don't know. Um, there, I thought it's there's oh, a thing no, that he I, yeah. He signed a contract somewhere. I know that he did, but, but I think there's still. I think in that clause, there's still the potential for him to go back over to the NHL. And I think because the Edmonton made the playoffs this year, I think he's more able to come over and if he right. can play as well as he did in juniors then that's a boost for uh edmonton yeah so one of the things i'm glad you just mentioned it so um yes he pulley did sign um to uh let's say it was carpa uh one of the star teams of fidland's sm liga uh uh announced that they had to re-sign Pugliarvi. So, again, the fact that he re-signed in the Finnish league is very interesting. So, um, what does that mean for Edmonton? Will they be able to – So, actually, so actually here it is. sign a contract, sure. So, according to Chris Johnson, Pugliarvi's new contract includes an angel opt-out clause – which would allow Pulley RV to sign a new contract and return to the NHL before or during the 2020-21 season. The Oilers do still hold his rights, so he'll be forced to sign with them unless his rights are traded. It's also being reported that Pulley RV's new contract is only one year in length. This means they have time to re-sign uh, Pulley RV ahead of the 2021-2022 season. That is, if he chooses, of course, to play here in uh, North America. There you go. And I think that's so. the goal. I, I don't think someone's going to say, I want to play in the Finnish hockey league. No, no offense right. there, but the goal is... Not the NHL. NHL. Yeah. 
And the but again, why- I, I just don't get how you miss so bad on a player like Cooley Arvey or just – oh, again, maybe he's just so talented that he's worth the fourth overall pick or wherever he got drafted, he what he really, did. Again, that Finnish uh, team in juniors did really well. It did. No, it yeah, He just hasn't did. been able to transfer it over to right. hockey or to the NHL. Now, it, if yeah. again, if he can, then that's huge because you can at least put him with Leon Dreisselberg or McDavid, then maybe that yeah. can get him going. And that helps a lot. And if you get the first overall pick, that's going to make There's him even Lafreniere. more sensitive because you get Lafreniere. Exactly. That I mean, not that you need any more offense. because Or any more number one overall picks. No, but you just it's not the offense that's your problem. It's the defense that's your problem. That's the same problem with Florida, too. Oh, yeah. I agree. So, all right, let's uh, – so for Chicago, they took the series mm-hmm. three games to one. Dominique Kupalik, uh oh, my gosh. Uh, he put Ugh. five points in his playoff debut in a 6-4 game one win for the Oilers. Two goals, three assists. He looked phenomenal. He was a former seventh-round draft pick back in 2013 from the L.A. Kings. So it wasn't even Chicago who uh, – who who scouted him? I I really hope or drafted him. I really hope to get destroyed, Chicago. I really do by Vegas. We'll get into who they're playing. I just said it. <laughs> but I, I really guess right hope, now. Yeah, I really that we can get to it later more. But I yeah, guess, we'll get into I, more I, later. I I really hope to get destroyed because I, I was watching. I was watching. Really, will do. That I was well. watching that their last game against Edmonton. Pierre was just. This is where we're going to get expletive on this podcast, but he was sucking the dick of the fucking Chicago Blackhawks the whole time. Uh, it makes me want of the Blackhawks to lose. Yes, it makes me want them to lose even more because he was pretty, he, even though I know Taze and uh, Crawford played really well in that game, but he was so, it's the annoying, everyone knows how annoying Pierre is, and that's what he was with the fucking Blackhawks. It, made me want of, it makes me want to get swept or just very, very badly get destroyed. Or both. Or both. Jeez, that's great. All right, so let, let's move on to our last upset. You mentioned we had three. We got two down, one more to go. I predicted this one. Nashville or Arizona yes. upsetting uh, Nashville. I did two, and I predicted four games. Was it four games? It was four games. It was four games. Was and almost, it was an overtime. It was almost five games, yeah. It was almost five, but it was, yeah. Uh, Nashville even tied it up late with about third, uh, with less than a minute to go. And, uh, what a great series. They're all the only game that was out of reach was game three. Other than that, there are one goal games in it. So it games one to four were one goal game, four to three. Game two I mean, was four to two. Was, it was just two goals. Yeah. Game two was four to two. And game three, the only one out like of reach yeah, was four to one. Yeah. I think that one they had an empty net anyways, the Coyotes, mm-hmm. so it was really three. Wins. Exactly. It's, again, all, they're all within two goals, which was a very close series. Mm-hmm. So and, and that was one series where I liked both teams, so I didn't really care who won, but I'm not a John Hines fan, so that's why my allegiance went to the Coyotes. Right. And I like Tuck. I mean, plus Tuck. So. But I don't like the way that John Hines has been coaching the team. This team in the Nashville Predators, I think he's now, a decent. If Laviolette was still in Nashville, then it would be back. It to would Nashville. be a different series. Yes. So here's my thing. 
about John Hines. I think he's a good coach. I really do. But Nashville does he's not. Okay. He, he he doesn't fit Nashville, and Nashville doesn't fit him. They have a very different tendency, at least I think they do, in what they are looking for. Like John Hines is on the left, Nashville Predators are on the right. They're pulling different ways. They're trying. They're playing tug of war. They're trying to get both. Got you know both sides yeah. to join them and pull in more. I don't know more. why. So I also them. don't know why so many teams fire their coaches or hire coaches so quickly after they fired them, because there's still so many good coaches that are still. There's Peter Laviolette. There's Gerard Bab- Gallant. There's Mike Babcock. Mike I know he Babcock. has. I know he has some issues or whatever, Toronto wise. But I think, I don't think anyone's going to hesitate taking him. I know he has that. I don't know. It, it's. That kind of stuff goes a long way, and especially with, like, again, what Babcock was, you know, what happened with him. He's a good coach, but I know he kind of has that love-hate relationship with players and the same thing players have with him. So, But he get he, he – no, I know, but I was going to say, but now he who has else that ability. Who's coaching right now? Who's playing tonight? John Tortorella. Yeah. Towards – what a goof. I mean, I know his is a lot more – seemingly more serious, but that was just something that came out. But the the whole reason why – I don't think that was the whole reason why he got fired. I think it might have been part no. of it, but it was also because the Maple Leafs weren't playing well at the time. Of course. No, and but I think it's, it's a definitely a huge part of it. And it's also because they weren't making it to the next level. It's why Laviolette got fired because they weren't making it to the next level. They, yeah. Their teams are going to be in the playoffs. It's just the next jump. It's the next series. It's trying to get right. those wins. They weren't getting them. Nashville not since – uh, they went to the cup pretty much, and for yeah. um, uh, Toronto, it's I mean they have to either go up against Boston or Toronto, so it's always a struggle for them. Right. So my thing is with or Tampa Bay, sorry, it's so Toronto. Yeah, and there you go. Uh, that's how I had a feeling you meant. But so my thing is with Nashville, and again, we'll we'll further do a, a deep dive on Nashville and everything. There definitely are some pieces they need to contracts they need to shed. Uh, again, they're, they're again, I think they have. I think they have one of the best D's in the league. They do. They really, really do. They have a lot of good depth. And they uh, made this. John Hines. I will cl- cl- uh, comment or uh, uh, applaud him on this. He started Soros. That's yes, a, that's the best decision. Yeah, and, and you know, one that might have been a surprising decision, but I thought it was it was a rather smart decision. Mm-hmm. It pretty much kept him in the series, you know. And, and Saros didn't didn't play bad. It just mm-hmm. the Coyotes just outmatched him. That's why I generally believe that uh, Seattle's getting uh, Picarina. And that's fair, but there's a lot other options out there, younger options that Seattle could grab. Sure. But I'm just saying, I, I could. Yeah, no, I, I don't course, know why. Yeah, I just have that vision of him in a Seattle uniform. I don't know why. He, he would just, look good in a Seattle Kraken jersey. But you know where you're going to get from him, though. He'll do well in the season, but playoffs coming around, then it's shaky. Well, then that's why you you turn to someone that's a younger player, possibly like your right. goalie, uh, like Thatcher Demko, maybe. Uh, I don't think he's going to. Thatcher Demko. I don't know. Thatcher Vancouver Demko. might protect Jacob Markstrom over Thatcher Demko. I'm just saying. Why would they do that? I don't know. Isn't Depco uh, starting for them? I'm pretty sure Markstrom is. Oh. I mean, yeah. 
Either way, Seattle's going to end up with no, a good goalie. They're going to they're going to protect Thatcher because Markstrom's thirty. I mean, it's a UFA at the end of the year, but she's. You would think they would protect Thatcher Demko, but I don't think he will. He's twenty-four. Yeah. I think they're protecting Demko. I would hope so because I love Thatcher Demko, and I think he would be great in Vancouver, and is going to win a future Vesna Trophy against. Either, it's going to be between him and John Gibson at some point uh, for a finalist. But uh, yeah, no. I changing it over we'll a little bit as the playoffs yes. as a whole. And that whole first round or whatever yep. postseason. I'm not calling it playoffs. It's postseason. No. It's not playoffs. It's postseason. Postseason. So anyone in those playoffs, I kept saying playoff. This is a, uh, uh, a shootout. Like one of the thing was this is the first shootouts in the playoffs. Like no, it's postseason. It's not playoffs. It's postseason. Does you could argue postseason and playoffs are the same thing. To me, this qualifying round is just that. It's a it's qualifying a round. It's not the it's not the playoffs. The season's over, but it's it's postseason. Technically, I've always viewed postseason and playoffs as the same thing. But in this case, it really is more of a postseason yeah. than an actual playoffs. So I'll give you that. It's a postseason. <laughs> it's not the playoffs. Playoffs, again, this is a qualifying round. You're qualifying for the playoffs. Therefore, it's not the playoffs. Um, it's but, to get into the playoffs. Yeah. But my biggest surprise, not it's not a big surprise, but it's a surprise to me just because I thought because of a young team of Vancouver, it wasn't even an upset because they were the higher seed. Right. Uh, but Vancouver, they advanced. I thought because like yeah, I thought because Hughes and uh, Pedersen were younger and it's first playoffs. I thought the experience in Minnesota was gonna play a bigger role there but that clearly didn't happen unfortunately i will not. also make this disclaimer i didn't see much of the series well again how could you the games were at 10 30 10 45 every night it's also not the series i would really tune right because again it's you know, know it's not that interesting of a series it's vancouver and uh, minnesota it's- as fun as Pedersen and hughes are the uh canucks have players that i'm just not uh, they just bore me too. Beagle's one of them. Russell, if he's playing. Well, yeah, because um, those guys aren't even like Tyler Myers, who signed a way bigger contract yeah. than he's worth. It's, I don't know. The the Canucks, they they still have some work to do. They have a decent amount of depth. They don't have enough of those pieces to really do much damage in the playoffs yet. They will sooner rather than later, but they're getting there. Um, I will also say this. Um, none of the t- I've saw majority of the games, not all of them, but majority yeah. of them. And from the games I saw, the only teams I'd say are that looked dominant, or uh, there's no team that I actually thinks looked that dominant, but looked the best. Even Carolina, uh, Carolina being one of them, obviously. Um, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, and even them, they've struggled. I don't think they've yeah. played the best. Um, yeah. Vegas at times has Colorado too. Yeah. Um, but overall, there's no team that I'm like, I, like for, I, I guess for the Flyers' sake or any sake, mm-hmm. I think any team is beatable. I, don't I think, think so. And that, that unfortunately includes the Flyers. Any team is beatable. You know, and although and that's why I have... generally think, especially this playoffs, because there was a long layoff, and there's still people getting their legs going. Flyers, especially other top players have scored at all. No, uh, and their uh, Rod Robin. Not that it really matters, but 
Um, it would be nice to see him score a goal, maybe two, but they didn't score any, which is scary. But it shows how much depth the team has. But not so, that not that's a bad thing either. Right? They're not. They're not Patrick Linus. They're not Ovechkins. They're not goal scorers. Connecting's supposed to be, but and JVR too, but. Couturier set up Neck perfectly. That was a gorgeous saucer pass last night. That was sick. Not saying that they aren't producing, but it's just they're not getting the goals. And Drew has Drew has has looked a little shaky. I will admit. Yeah. Um, But that's the good thing about later. That's why I think it's a good thing about the Rod Robin. But because of that, I don't think in these playoffs there's going to be any sweeps, at least in this in this round. I don't see yeah, any sweeps um, well, So, again, so uh, let's – before we – We already got of, one sweep, and, and that was the uh, Hurricanes. Yeah. yeah, but that didn't surprise me. Because, uh, again, I only – I had Carolina beating the Rangers in four. And, yeah, because yeah, I thought the Rangers would have given a little bit of a fight. They mm-hmm. didn't do much, but Carolina just overpowered them. Um, so kind of to briefly break down the series recaps uh, – because. I don't think there's really much more series we need to dive into. So no, I think in we eight, highlighted the bigger ones. We pretty much did. Well, the biggest um, one, the biggest one, we're going to preview later. Yes, absolutely. So in the East, we had Montreal winning three to one, Carolina sweeping the Rangers, Islanders won three to one, uh, and Game Five tonight uh, is still going on to determine who will face the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Or the Toronto Maple Leafs as obviously currently tied at two apiece. And we are both saying Toronto. So there you go. In the West, Mike. Well, that was my prediction. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, in, in the West, Mike, we had those series there. Uh, sorry. There you go. Uh, we obviously had Arizona winning 3 1. Um, Vancouver also three. I think they were all three ones. They were all three one actually. All three one, yeah. So so that's easy. So it was um, all three ones. Uh, Chicago, uh, Arizona, Vancouver, and Calgary all taking it. Yeah. Um, and sh- once uh, Shifley went down for Winnipeg, you knew that series was over. We yeah. knew that series was over. Oh, the, uh, I, I, one hundred percent, yeah. And then Line got injured and everything, so that was. I mean, I think they could have survived without Line just because. Right, but Shifley was Shifley, huge, yeah, was huge, huge loss. They were able to steal. Um, they were able to steal a game, but that was it. That they couldn't yeah. do much else. One thing I just remembered that I did want to talk about briefly uh, mm-hmm. was about the Carolina Hurricanes. This is how much, how dangerous their top line is. Against the New York Rangers, who, by the way, only scored four goals in three games. The top line for the Carolina Hurricanes, which consisted of Sebastian Ajo centering David Teravainen on the right wing and Andrei Svechnikov on the left wing. They scored a combined seven goals and a total of, uh, hold on, uh, I believe it was 15 points in just three games. Sebastian had five points, three goals, two assists. Ajo, three goals, four assists. And Teravainen, a goal and two assists. That, in just three games, that's unreal. It's unreal, but Rangers versus Bruins, hockey finalists, that's going to be a tough one for that line. Even though Boston isn't playing well right now, 
I think yeah. they're eventually going to get their feet going. I actually think – I think that one's going seven, but I think Boston takes game one just because Carolina's – They're had more the, fresh. Yeah, Carolina's had the longer layoff. And yeah. Morazic then starts the last game for them either. So he's even longer. Well, which is very interesting. So I actually do want to talk about that as well. Um why do you think that the that Rod Brindamore, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, went from Peter Morozik to uh, Chris McElhaney in that game four? Sorry, Chris game McElhaney three. plays for the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. Sorry. I lie, not McElhaney. Reimer. James Reimer. Oh, my God, that's right, James Reimer. Oof. Anyway, why did he go with James Reimer instead of Peter Morozik in game three? I believe it was because it was a back-to-back, and they were up two games. So if it was – Reimer, if it was a game they lost, I don't think they would have handed it. But that at least they still would have gone with Reimer. Would have at least given Morazic a little more time off. Okay, back to back, like uh, uh, Anderson. Anderson had to go back to back when they played uh, Columbus. Yeah, you obviously had the game where they Columbus came back and then they won in overtime, and then the next night Toronto did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's hard, especially in the playoffs, and for Carolina's sake, their weakness is their goalies. So, um, for their sake, uh, more than any other team, I think the best thing is to try to get both goalies going. Um, right. I know for the Flyers' sake, because people were – I know during the intermission, they were saying how it was great that the Flyers would have um, uh, two goalies, goalies going, which is good in theory. But yeah. when you realize Hart's going to be starting the playoffs – and that if Elliot had to go in, it's either because the Flyers aren't doing well or Hart's hurt. Or the right. team's not doing well. It's a, just a change kind of thing. Yeah. But that's it, – it's great. But There's a lot of different – For Carolina's sake, and I only say this because he was on the Flyers, I don't trust Peter Mrazek at all. I don't trust him. Yeah. But the thing that helps him is Dougie Hamilton will be back. Yes, which is so a huge help. I actually, as I've seen more of these games and everything, he I think he's their second-best defenseman. Slavin's their best defenseman, but he's still top 10-worthy defenseman, Dougie yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. But those two are key. No, absolutely. That's the thing for Carolina, that's the one worry I have for, say, obviously we're Flyers fans, so we're going to stick more towards Flyers when we make these comparisons, but – the thing with them is that offensively they're so good and defensively they are so underrated for how good their defense is. Yes. Their weakness is just their goaltending, but the defense uh, uh, makes Very up underrated. They mix One, up that. It's similar to what I'd say is the 2010 Flyers because they had, no offense to Brian Boucher, I think he does very well for the uh, in between the ga- glass and uh, Michael Layton. In between Layton. the bubble? Yeah. And Michael Layton. They weren't the best goaltenders, but you know you had no. you had Timonen and Pronger who were Matt Carl who did great. Yeah, you had Gobern who I very very you like him right? Never praise you like him. Even right? he did well deeper in those playoffs. He's your favorite player, right? I hate you. Or was it Luke Shen? I forget. Because right now they're both being scratched by the Lightning. <laughs> God, I will forever love Ron Hextall for dealing both of those players and getting 
actually decent players back. If in you really realize how that happened, another assets trading Coburn down to get Gudis, and then you got Gudis for Niskanen. Niskanen. And I think yeah. there was something else in that trade too. I think there might have been a pick or two or something. Um, I'm pretty sure we got a first round pick in that Gudis Coburn yeah. trade, which we traded up to get Connecting. Yep. Yeah, that's an underrated trade there. And I'm not yeah, even hating on Gudis, too. I think he's a very good defenseman. No, he's good. It's I just, didn't think he did good. Yeah. But yeah. So, anyway, um, alrighty. So, looking at. Here's, what do yeah. you think? As they wrap down, there's two games left, as we said. What do you think so far? Of these bubbles hmm. and everything in general, the financial is done. I know your so, big gripe with the NHL right now was the draft lottery and that kind of thing. Yeah. My so I'll get into the draft lottery a little bit later uh, on, on my gripe there. But all in all, though, the NHL, they've been doing a phenomenal job. Probably the best job out of every sport going on. MLB is a crapshoot right now. MLS, they've been doing a good job. No complaints there. Um, and just all in Bubbles all, work. The, the, say it. Bubbles work. Bubbles work. The bubbles work. <laughs> yes, no, bubbles work. Sorry, you just like you said like so fast. It's like the, the what? I didn't even understand what you said, but yes, the bubble works. They are doing this right. Other leagues, if you want to have a season, pay attention. They are doing this right. They're having two cities, the, the biggest X factor really to making this work. It's not in the United States. It's in Canada. Let alone, better. honestly, if you are in any other state and besides so, the United Canada States, so you will strict. be fine. Yeah. Because Toronto even is strict, and two. Well, Toronto didn't even let the fucking Blue Jays play in Toronto. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, their own freaking sit, uh, team. But no, I'll put it this way though. Again, like as long. As it's not in a, in the United States, you should be able to play because the United States, unfortunately, is so freaking arrogant, and that's that's just how Americans are. That they, they get way you know they're they're arrogant. They're you know get way too cocky about things. You know that they all have that. I guess I should have made this disclaimer. Jeff and I are not making friends in this podcast. No, we're not. <laughs> But no, just again, unfortunately, that's just how us Americans that's are. True. We're you know we're arrogant, we're cocky, and everything. And we're like, oh, we're the best kind of. Yeah, 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 you're not wrong. No, no, exactly. No, because no, I'm because later on in the podcast too, we're not going to be making friends there either. Oh no, not definitely not. But no, so my point is though, if every, look at every other country right now with how they're handling mm-hmm. COVID nineteen, they're basically back to normal because they follow protocol. Because they're being safe, America's not doing that, and that's really our biggest problem. And also, that's going back to the four major sports and everything. That's why a lot of these, except for the NHL, isn't working out because everyone is in the United States trying to figure this out when no one really around this whole, you know, the whole area, the whole state, and everything is just yeah, or the country or whatever. They're they're Um, being idiotic about it. So the fact that it's in Canada, that's a big win. Also, one thing that really helps is they did not announce the hub cities till the final moments leading up to the 2014 playoff. 
Hence why Vegas was a huge hotspot all mm-hmm. of a sudden. So I see you're playing, that- you're playing good cop here. Okay. I can, I'll tear, <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. I'll tear apart the NHL. I have little gripes here. I have little I, gripes. <laughs> there are some other gripes, but I guess I'm the good cop since Mike. You're playing the good cop here. Because <laughs> so now your best friend, Gary. Take away, Mr. Bad Cop. <laughs> but anyways, um, I have very like little gripes here. The overall yeah. playoffs, what they're doing is great. One thing, get rid of the camera that seems to be in the ceiling. The sky cam. I hate the sky cam. Awful. You're seeing major. You're seeing more stands than you are the, the game itself. And it's not even like you're seeing ads or anything in the stands where you're like, oh, there's a reason for that. You're making the making it harder to actually view the game, and you keep going to the the goddamn uh, <laughs> angle every time there's a, a power play. It's like or, why or any kind of like offensive zone or something. That it's the first thing they go to. It's the worst. And also for the next round, can we please have these times and everything set up beforehand so the team doesn't know at 10 p.m. the night before they play when they're playing? Please. Because the, the Flyers didn't. The Flyers and Golden the Flyers and Golden Knights games, they didn't know when they were playing until after the um, what was it, Edmonton game? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until after one of the West Coast. Games. Pathetic. It's, it, it's bad. That's the one gripe I have. Also, yeah. I have a little gripe here, and it's with NBC Sports and a little NHL, but it's more NBC Sports. And I hate to do this because I like Doc so much. Change his feed or network where he's not two seconds behind. It, it's very. I. I it's, it's the if way. You're, if you're so trying, tough. if you're trying, because the whole thing here is. You're trying to gain because there was no sports for a while. You're trying to gain an audience. Also, maybe no offense to NHL Network, but maybe have other games on the other and NBC networks, not just NBC Sports and NBC. Maybe USA. Maybe you don't have to show another SVU marathon. Maybe instead, if someone tunes into an SVU marathon instead gets hockey, they watch hockey. Right. One of the things that's very oh. tough with that live streaming is they're being broadcast from three different places with shared I know, video. I, I don't know. It's for, I guess it must be Doc's uh, feed because when Mike Tirico was doing games with either Keith Jones or mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Olchek, um, there was no delay at all. It sounded like they were there, and uh, not neither one of them were actually there. But for some yeah. reason, Doc doesn't get president i I don't know so it's yeah i guess it's either where he is or there's some kind of he's he's in detroit yeah mbc has to give him the best because if you want people to watch don't have him on delay because people are just going to get annoyed at that point yeah clearly you are put it on more like if there's an afternoon game put on nbc what's going on on nbc or whatever an afternoon game if you want more eyes to it because 
Oh, my, and also the other thing is really quickly here. I'm I think chime that's in. the best way to. Not, I have a get more attention story. to your sport. Exactly, because my way of getting. Why have into, Connor McDavid on at 10:30 at night Eastern? After time the first game, no after the first game, walk, step and watch it. Yeah, after the first game, you have it at three o'clock on a Saturday. Why? Why not and start the whole it reason like today? I go in here was for the audience. Yeah, and. Are you really expecting people to stay up after a day's worth of hockey, stay up mm-hmm. at 10.30, and then, oh, they'll watch the first period and go to bed? Because what do you know? They're tired. Why? Because they've been watching hockey day, all day. But the other thing is, like, l- look at the uh, schedule going on today. The Caps and the uh, Bruins, they start at 12. They got down, like, uh, 2.30, 2.40. Mm-hmm. There's another game going on right now with the Stars and the Blues. And then, and then they have another game time. going on eight tonight. The press, the game that gets presidents is that one, but it's also Toronto. That's why that one gets right. presidents because <clears throat> Toronto has the biggest fans out of anyone. Yeah. But going back to my story, I was going to tell my, and I've probably said it before on this podcast. I'm, I know for a fact I've said it to Jeff before. But my story of coming back into watching Flyers games was at the Applebee's that was right here in 2010. Uh, the play-ins against the playoffs that shoot out. Yep. We watched the third period, and I think maybe, yeah, I think it was the third period we watched at that Applebee's. And when we got, we were just watching it, and obviously bars and restaurants, those are already going to have the games on already. But when you tune into those, after not tuning into those, and you're like, oh, wow, this is kind of exciting. And then we came home, we watched overtime, we watched the shootout, and then the Flyers went to the playoffs. And ever since then, I've watched more and more Flyers, more recently, more uh, league-wide stuff, more so because of the 2014 playoff. But um but I've been carefully looking more and more into the league and everything. And that's just because of one night out. Cause it was even, we were celebrating my dad's birthday or something. There and that was just happened to be on. And that's how these things happen. That's how you gain fans. That's how you gain an audience. That's not just cause there was no sports. It's finding the right time to put these sports on. Exactly. That's why I get why you put it the first game on Connor McDavid, the star of your league, the Blackhawks who won three cups. They're, I get that, but then you put them on the 10.30 for the rest of the time. It makes no sense. It doesn't help your league's viewership. Again, well, now you have to find another one because you don't have Crosby that, anymore. Yeah, true. Especially considering the fact that um, last year, Chicago was in the top 10 markets for viewership. Mm-hmm. Look how bad their team did last year. And yet, they're in the top 10, let alone top 5, all of last year for viewership. So, what are you doing? Yeah. That's great that you're getting those constant viewerships, but if you want to gain it out yeah. more, it's getting these people that aren't watching you as much. That's a my casual, last. That's the casual sports fan. I agree, but also if I hate to say this, and I doubt they're actually going to do this, but I'm sorry, Doc. I like you, but if you can't figure out the network thing for he's not on delay, maybe sub in Mike Tirico. For this playoffs, just for this playoffs, it, it's it's again, it's very tough. I understand why I he's think not there. I understand why he's not there. I understand why Enzo isn't there because health reasons and everything. Right. Being the bubble, it's a little iffy for them. So I get why they're doing it from home yeah. or the studio for Enzo and Keith Jones for those, for that sake. Right. Um, but I don't know. They got to fix that. That's my that's my biggest gripe. It's I don't like right. the delay. Um, my only other gripe I will have 
and we'll get into this, is the draft lotter. I've said it before. I will continue saying again, especially if a team that I do not like or want to get first overall gets first they're overall. They're not getting it. They better freaking not. Otherwise, they're going to toss people off a cliff. Anyway, why have the NHL draft lottery before the qualifying rounds even start? I get it. You have the qualifying rounds and everything, or the draft lottery before the qualifying rounds. Wait till the qualifying rounds are over. That way everyone knows where they're going to be and go, okay, here we go. We'll just pick, 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 pick. That's fine. But now we have to have a stupid round two, phase two draft of the draft lottery. And you're giving everyone a 12.5% chance of getting the first overall pick. Which just means every team gets one ball in the thing. Right. But again, you're going, you're telling me a team like Pittsburgh or deserves New a tw- – or New York – or well, or or Edmonton teams that actually some some teams that actually had a decent year who shouldn't even be in the running for a top fifteen pick, let alone top ten. Especially for Pittsburgh because they a don't have a chance at first overall. Because that first overall pick is, uh, I think, lottery protected. Even though P- Pittsburgh doesn't have a first round pick, they would get that pick. They will because again. They traded the, the uh, pick that they traded. They have a chance to. It's either if it's a top ten pick, they can keep it. If it or, or if they don't want to for whatever reason, they can transfer it to. Uh, or, or sorry, they, they can either keep it if it's top ten pick. If it's not, they can ship it to Minnesota for, you know, for yeah. for part of that um, Jason Zucker trade. If you know, and then if uh, if not, they transfer it for next year. So, but either way, though, the NHL, that's all, one of my very few screw-ups that the NHL, I think, has really done. Um, that was also to try to get some fewer chips for something that they didn't get fewer chips for, for a lottery. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, the speaking about the lottery, though, it is tomorrow. I want to say that's most likely 8 p.m. as always. It's um, at 6 p.m. Or, no, I think it's 6, 6 p.m. Actually. Eastern. Yep. You said 6, right? Yep, 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday, August 10th, 6 p.m. Eastern from NHL Network. Um, So I'm definitely excited to watch it. Um, And also, if you haven't, if you don't don't remember where some of these teams are ready that when the lottery ended up, um, from 8 down, uh, Buffalo, the Sabres were at 8, the Devils were at 7, Ducks were at 6, Senators 5, Red Ranks got fucked for centers again at three, and then the Kings LA Kings two, two. and then and of then, course the yes. Team E of the qualifying rounds team. So I'll put it this way: um, Chris Johnson tweeted this out. The teams who can win the number one pick in Monday's draft lottery, listed by their overall standing and regular season points percentage, in order: Pittsburgh seven, Edmonton twelve. Toronto 13 or Columbus 14, of course, game five going on tonight. Florida 15, New York, sorry, uh, Florida 15, Nashville 16, New York Rangers 18, Winnipeg 20, and Minnesota 21. Um, so I'll put it this way, though. If it's supposed to, because it goes off of regular season points percentage, but in reverse order, mm-hmm. if it's reverse order, if you look at it, no matter, even if it's Toronto or Columbus that goes in, or, or, you know, is out of the playoffs, Team E, theoretically, then, should be Florida. But 
That's who I think's getting it. So right, that's how it should be lined up. But again, it doesn't make sense though because why have the lottery draft at all if Team E lines up with Florida based off of regular season points percentage in because at the reverse top, order? I don't know. I think just at the time because you didn't know if Team E was going to be able to advance or not. Well, no, but still, like, regardless of that, they would have had it all figured out. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. It still doesn't. Hopefully, they yeah. can explain it a lot better tomorrow. Thank gosh, yes. this but horrible process 15, will be over. 9 through 15 will also be there, too. But pretty much it, that one's just going to yeah. be who did worse is going to be where they go. So Yeah, true. So That's just how it usually is for the draft. I'll put it like. this way. As long as Pittsburgh or New York do not get the top pick, I am happy. I don't care who gets the top pick. If it's Edmonton, screw it. I don't even care at this point. Just as long as it's not the Pittsburgh Penguins or New York Rangers, that's all I freaking care about. If it's Edmonton, yep. that, then that's fine. Just give McDavid and Drysdale more power. Who cares? I don't freaking care. Just give it to a team who actually deserves the pick, like Detroit did. But, no, they got screwed. Uh, to quote myself, I said, fucked. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. You want to talk Penguins oh, now? But I, uh, I, before we talk Penguins, I want to talk about the seedings uh, here oh, yes. for uh, for the, what the playoffs look like. So, for right now, this is what it is. In the East, you have Flyers Canadians, uh, the Boston Bruins against the Carolina Hurricanes because Boston lost to the Washington Capitals earlier today, two to one. So Boston is facing Carolina, and the Capitals are facing the New York New York Islanders. And the only one rem- uh, remaining matchup is the Tampa Bay Lightning against either the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Columbus Blue Jackets. Game five tonight again. Tampa Bay gets the winner in the West. Avalanche lost to the Vegas Golden Knights in overtime yesterday. So that means they'll take on the Arizona Coyotes in round one, which means since Vegas is the top seed in the West, they're taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. And, of course, finally, the Dallas Stars are facing off against the St. Louis Blues currently as we speak. I'll have to check for a scoreboard update in just a moment. The winner, I believe, faces the Vancouver Canucks, and the loser faces the Calgary Flames. Again, I got to double check on that one on seeing. 1 0 Blues. Who, there you go. It's 1 nothing Blues. Actually, before we get to the Penguins, too, that is one thing I'll say because I know another big surprise is obviously the two teams um, that were in the Stanley Cup last year are one's four in the fourth seed, and the other one's. Um, battling currently winning but for mm-hmm. my case I, even though i thought pittsburgh was going to win i thought it was um it hurt the bruins more that they struggled or i don't think i don't want to say they didn't care but they just kind of struggled and it's just going to make boston fans complain even more um that yeah. they already were but if you were the best team you should be actually be able to prove that you were the best team right um but for the Blues' sake, and all four of those teams, I think they were just not that they weren't care. They didn't care either. But I think any four of those teams can beat any of the teams that they're going to have to face. 
They're just so much. The West isn't that great. It's really Colorado and Vegas are the teams to beat. And Blues. And, and yeah, you can de- definitely argue the Blues. Mm-hmm. The Blues have pieces. <laughs> and then, well, I don't. I also don't want to talk count out the Stars too much. I don't think they go far, but you can't count them out. But same with Calgary. But again, mm-hmm. they have both Calgary and Dallas don't have that those pieces. But those are the top three teams essentially. Um, and the Blues, uh, Avalanche, and uh, Golden Knights. But and look how it ended up. They're flying. The Golden Knights are facing the Blackhawks, who shouldn't be in the playoffs. And nope. I hope. Gets oh, and by the way, Montreal, who it wasn't even five hundred, is in round one of the playoffs. That is correct. And That's then, what pisses me off about this playoff format. But all in all, they made this thing work. Mm-hmm. Got to give credit Montreal. They worked their ass off to to get to round one. They're facing the Flyers. That, it is what it is. But you could see how much of a toss up it was for the West because an eleven and a twelve seed both won. Yeah. And now they have to play the two best teams. So there's that. Yeah. And then that game, if it were, I was me, it's like, I don't care how this end. I don't care how this ends up. Yeah. I'm either playing the Coyotes or the Blackhawks. Okay. <laughs> On paper, I should be able to win. But I, if you know hockey, you can't take these things too serious or uh, uh, can't count anyone out. So because they can surprise you like Montreal. Yep. But now let's. As I just mentioned, Montreal, let's transition over a bit. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a good – I think that's good to leave off for how the playoffs ended. So we're just going to change over a bit here to the Penguins as a whole. Um, If you hadn't known or don't know the struggles of the Penguins' playoffs, they have now lost. 10 of their last 11 playoff series, their one win coming in game two against the Montreal Canadiens postseason slash and this is and this is going three years now. This is their third series in a row now that where they've lost for Jeff and Flyers fans' sake. That is, and for me as well, that is great if they don't get the first overall pick. Um, but uh, there, there's something here, and you mentioned to me about your friend or whatever who was talking about the Penguins. They need, I know, and funny thing is, uh, they traded Phil Kessel because there was a whole thing with Kessel and Malkin, that whole thing that happened over the yeah. offseason that came out from the end of last season. But Kessel got the last laugh because he's still in the playoffs. <laughs> that he is. He's actually in the playoffs. Sorry. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> but. These, if I, I was the Penguins, this is you have to have some gut punch. Also, maybe um, get rid of some people that you know probably shouldn't be there, but it's going to be yeah. harder to sit them down. But I'll, I'll put it this way: I so in no or in no real order, I'd say get rid of Jim Rutherford, Mike mm-hmm. Sullivan, or find a partner for Evgeny Malkin if you can. Yeah. Malkin's the last one I'd actually consider because if you lose Malkin, your window is significantly dimmed. Mm-hmm. So that so one's I'll, my least, I'll put it my least 
want to go, even though he's 34 and Crosby's now 33. Yeah. So their window is shrinking. Also, so I'll, I'll put it this way. Here, as Mike. good, even yeah. though I think Jim, uh, Mike Sullivan might have been close to being coach of the year finalist, it's the same thing for Peter Laviolette, Mike Babcock, Gallant uh, for some reason, uh, Peter DeBoer. Mm. He, since winning the back to back cups, you guys haven't done anything. And I may, we're probably not going to make any Pens fans fans happy here or even hockey fans because, you know, Mike Sullivan won and Rutherford won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Why would you fire yeah. them? Uh, because they are struggling. Season-wise, season not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't really matter because more than likely this team's good enough to make the playoffs. It's not the season that matters. It's the playoffs that matter. And if you're not going far in the playoffs like it were, say, early 2010s to when you eventually won the first Cup, Guess what happened in that first year when you won the cup? You fired your head coach. Guess what happened? You won the cup. Yeah, it, those gut punches can't help. It just is the Pittsburgh willing to do that, make that drastic of a move of getting rid of Jim Rutherford or Mike so, Sullivan. So, the, and, that, and that's the biggest question mark to me is, so looking last couple me, years. If it were me, I'd, I'd just say Sullivan and keep uh-huh. Rutherford for this year. If it's another struggle, then Rutherford. I'm not going to lie. Mine. I'm going to go mine. the opposite. I'm going to go keep Sullivan for now. Keyword, for now, get rid of Rutherford. So, Jim Rutherford, he has made – so, uh, you know, over the last several years, he's made some very key, you know, acquisitions. Uh, getting Carl Hagelin. He got uh, Nick Benino. Um, he got a lot of these players in the uh, – you know, Phil Kessel was a huge one for the Penguins, helped winning them back-to-back Cubs. Um, you know, these he made a lot of these great Didn't he trades. Make that Phil Kessel trade? Say again? Didn't he make that Phil Kessel trade? Yeah. Um to to bring him to Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, yeah, he did. It was he traded you... Scott Harrington, Nick Spalling, a conditional first round pick in twenty sixteen, a third round pick in twenty sixteen, and Kesperi Kapanen to the lease for Kessel, Tim Erickson, and Tyler Biggs, along with a conditional second round pick. No, um, no, wait, no, wait. <laughs> no, he, he, uh, he did. I'm on uh, Cap Friendly's page right now under Jim Rutherford uh, specifically. Okay, okay, so okay. Uh, he traded Brandon Sutter and a third for Benina and Clint, uh, Adam Clendenning. Um, he got Carl Hagelin for David Perron and Adam Clendenning. There you go. Um, you know, so, some other trades. He traded away Connor Sherry, which was great, and then he brought him back. Even though yeah, terrible. Right. So, so again, yeah. Um, he, he, you know, uh, he. Uh, this one didn't make sense to me. He gave up. This won't make you laugh. And, and again, this is one of the very questionable trades he's made. Oscar Sunquest in a first-round pick for Ryan Reeves in a second-round pick. Who they traded halfway through the year. And that was only made because to protect Sidney Crosby. Now they right. traded on halfway through the year. So that trade literally meant nothing for the yeah. playoffs. So there is that. Yeah, yeah. His his trades are significantly better than his signings because uh Jack Johnson, it, not the three point two five million isn't a lot, but Jack Johnson's not a good defenseman. At thirty three, no. he is not good. And uh, also Pedersen his contract yeah th- that one well. was just flat out awful yeah. for pittsburgh 
uh, his signings aren't great. His trades are better, but right. more recently, but again, his I, trades aren't I great. Think you that's... didn't get anything really for – I know Phil Kessel, you're only going to get so much from him. But but six years for, for Brandon Tanner, six years, three and a half mil. Granted, you did get Jason Zucker after trading Galchenyuk to the Wild, but you didn't really get that much for trading away Phil Kessel, who is a big part of the reason why you won. And I will also say the biggest – Minors of uh, uh, mistakes the Penguins made was letting Tockett go. That was a huge one. Because I think Tockett played that also a huge role why... in why they won back-to-back cups. Yes. It could but be also, wrong, but that's just That helps thinking. with Phil Kessel because he is that guy to rely on in Arizona with, with Tock because – and now that Tock's not an assistant coach, he's the head coach – he, him and uh, Kessel have a very unique relationship where they can, you know, uh, you know, talk nose down to handle Kessel. Where if Kessel's being Phil Kessel, you know, and no one else has, knows how to ha- handle him, that's where Talk steps in and says, "Hey, like, mm-hmm. you know, let, like let's have a talk kind of thing, and they'll work it out, and then everything's back normal." That's why Talk was so great in Pittsburgh, and when Gino and um, and uh, the uh, Kessel, they had their you know, arguments and everything left and right. You can even see on the bench in the middle of the game, they'll be yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. And then finally, it got to the point where they said, all right, one of you is going to go, who's going to be, and they end up training Kessel. Um, <clears throat> and in that trade, uh, it wasn't my favorite trade for Pittsburgh, meaning, honestly, I didn't think they got a – I mean, they traded Kessel fourth and Dane Burks. I mean, that wasn't even that bad. For Galchenyuk and Pierre Oliver Joseph, they then traded Galchenyuk, who barely lasted not even the whole season, honestly, for uh, Jason Zucker, Zucker for Galchenyuk, Kalen Addison, and a first-round pick. Uh, but again, condition is if the Penguins pick falls between one and fifteen, Pittsburgh has exactly seven days to decide if they if they want to keep their pick or transfer to to 2021. Um, but again. Rutherford, in general, I think he's his leash is, has been way too long, and they need to just cut him loose. Uh, I would give Mike Sullivan two years maximum. Oh, I want to keyword two years maximum. Not saying at least two years. I'm saying two I'm years sorry, maximum. I, my leash started for him when you're when you can actually see on TV two of your players arguing with one another. That's fair. You and, as a again, coach should be able to calm them down and right. actually get them to not actually – it could be behind the scenes, that's one thing. But if you're having it shown actually on TV or anything like that, that's going to be shown, and you're, you got to do something about that. Because not, right. not only yeah. if it – because there's always the thing, well, if you have beef, they can just go away. One game, t- game is different than uh, off ice. But when you bring right. it in-game, that's when you have the problem. That's my problem with Mike Sullivan. And, and, and again, that's very reasonable. And, you know, I'll definitely give you that. Because, you know, if it's one time, maybe two times tops, all right, I'll give better, you that. It's to but two of your best players. Two of your star players. Not only that, but it happened on multiple occasions. Again, you can't always rely on the assistant coaches. to. If you're the head coach, like, you can't just say, hey, you know, oh, talk it. This. You take yeah. care of this. Or, or you, whoever, or take care of this. Crosby or your other. Recky, take care of this. Yeah, Tell these Crosby. guys to, well, Tang, deal with this kind of thing. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get it. You know, teams and Nothing players will have their rifts with one another. 
but you and again, especially if you if you're trying to have those guys again as an alternate captain or assistant captain, whatever you prefer, and you know as a alternate captains whatnot, they're barely setting a good example for the young guys. And you know, again, it's when two clearly it's two big personalities like Phil Kessel and Evgeny Malkin like that going head to head, a Russian and American. Oof, that's a that's not a good that's not a good one. But again, so for going back to Rutherford for a second, I think his leash has gone way too long for Pittsburgh. They need to come loose. Mike Sullivan, his leash, you know, it, it's getting shorter and shorter by the minute. You know, they're they're, they're giving they're. I, I think if I, I again, like I said, I give him maximum two years. Not saying he'll last even that long. I'm saying that give him one more year if not at least six months into the season or so, and just to see how he changes things around. If not, cut him loose too. Again, there's very good coaches out there. Or, or again, if you're looking for a change, make a change. You got to – Again, that's the why I make the change is because there's still good coaches out there. Right, exactly. I, I don't want Lavi to go there, but he could go there. Galant he would dominate there. there. Are you Babcock. kidding? He, I would hate him to go there, but both him and Mike Babcock would dominate there. Mm-hmm. Again, Gerard Gallant Babcock, can do very I'm well. I'm sure there. Babcock want, would like that because he lost to the those Penguins. Yeah, he, he beat, beat them that. in 08, but lost them in 09. Exactly. Uh, but again, imagine how much of a, a relationship that would be between Malkin and uh, uh, Babcock. That would be interesting. But all in all, though, I definitely believe that the Pittsburgh Penguins need to get rid of Jim Rutherford, and at some point. Within the next two years, probably get more than likely get rid of Mike Sullivan and replace it with a go-to coach that's available right now. Yeah. Because uh, who knows how long these guys are going to last for. So the thing is, so right now Pittsburgh, they have, they have the they technically right now, they don't have a first-round pick. It's a conditional a pick. Option. They don't have a second. They have only four picks, picks three through six, which is huge. For everyone else in the Metro, especially the Flyers. Um, looking at the contracts, though, Connor Sherry, three mil, you can get rid Sherry. of him. It's Sherry. Huh? It's Sherry. No, it's Sherry. It's Sherry. Sherry. No, it's Sherry. It I'll should be say, Sherry. No, no, no. You can't go Sherry, then Sherry, then back to Sherry. Fuck you, it's Sherry. It should be Sherry, but the guy doesn't even know his own name. Connor Sheary, I'm just leaving it at that. Either way, they have two contracts they can get $8 million back. Justin Schultz as well. I don't think Schultz is that great of a defense. He's five and a half mil. Yeah. He's not worth that much. No. That so there's eight issues. and a half But here's the other right problem, there. too, is both Matt Evan Murray. Rodriguez is a $2 million RFA. That's two mil right there. 1.25 in Jared McCann. And then you have a bunch of smaller RFAs and everything. But the biggest issue is the goaltending. Matt Murray, 3.75 mil RFA. Or Tristan Jari, $675,000 RFA. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? So obviously you have a lot of options if you're Pittsburgh for the whole roster. So again, looking at the Penguins right now, uh, and again, we're kind of, you know, jumping way ahead. Let's not forget about about Bukestad too. Yeah, he's an IR, but he's he's there too. 
picking up some cap. 4.1 mil. He has at least another year left. And he hasn't played, I don't think, that well for Well, he only played 13 games this season. So. Oh, well, there you go. Um, Put up two points. By the way, you have yeah. Oh God. But you have guys also, like Brian Dumont, right. Jack Johnson, four point one, three point two yeah. mil. Yeah, no. It's a waste touch, of money. No one's touch, no one's touching that uh Jack Johnson no. contract. Good luck trying to get rid of any bad contracts this offseason. Yeah. Um, so they're but, another team that's screwed against this cap not getting uh bumped up. Yep. I agree. But before we get to the goalies, because I know you want to talk about their goalies. Yes. Um because I'm sure there's probably Penguins fans if you are listening to this, which I don't know why because we're Flyers fans. But <laughs> if you are um, or happen to step across this and you're saying, well, if this was in the season, this is because it was in the uh, bubble and a couple months after the season. If this was in the season, the, the Penguins would have done better. That's not true either because the Penguins were a dumpster fire at the end of the season before play halted too. Christian Jari was playing terribly. The team didn't look good at all. They Everyone lost. was playing horrible hockey. I have to look at this. Uh, Jeff, talk while I look this up. Say again? Talk. I'm looking up something. All right. So I want to get the numbers right here because I know. All right. A, so while while of... you're doing that, I definitely wanted to bring up something about um, the a, a bit of the goaltending, but includes Matt Murray and also defenseman Jack Johnson. So Ryan Wilson tweeted this out uh, two days ago. Matt Murray had an on-ice save percentage of 0.750 with Jack Johnson on the ice at 5-on-5 this series against the Habs. He had 15 saves on 20 shots. Without Johnson, 5-versus-5, he stopped 56 uh, shots. Sorry, he made 56 saves on 59 shots, 0.949 save percentage. You do the math. Which one sounds better? I missed it. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That's Damn it. Penguins with three and seven in their last ten games. There you go. And Jari didn't play well in those games either. I believe yeah. he gave up in the last couple of games. I think he said he gave up 18 goals, something like that, 13, something like that. Either way, it was in the double digits. He was giving up a lot of goals. But going back to their goaltenders, here's my thing. I, the injuries have, are, I think, a big part of why Matt Murray isn't the same Matt Murray. But I think at, the, at this moment, I think both goalies will give you the same outcome. Result. Nothing about Jari has wowed me. Um, I think he's okay in the little bit that I've seen from him. Um, nothing makes me think he's the uh, – he'll be the, at the moment, this future maybe, unless Matt Murray turns it around, unless they stick with the tandem thing. Uh, but at the moment, I think you're going to get the same outcome no matter – if you're starting Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. And because Matt Murray has the experience, that's why I understand why you do Matt Murray starting the playoffs than Tristan Jari. But that's just me. Nothing yeah. about Tristan. And yeah, it can so, change. Jari's 25. It's about, that's it's 25, yeah. so 26. So I, I have a lot to say on, on Tristan Jari. I, I saw him in person a lot during my time with Luxor Scranton. Yes, that was a few years ago, but he, he just watching him play then compared to now, he's gotten a little bit better. 
but there's definitely some things that he needs to work on. So his style, it's definitely more of an athletic butterfly style, of course. He's very large, rather physically imposing goalie. He definitely uses his strong legs and very quick reflexes to make great saves. He does track shots very well, and he has solid positioning, which you can attribute to his great vision. But his rebound control is my biggest worry about him still. Back when I interned with West Coast Grant in 2017, that was Jari's biggest issue was the rebound control. It's improved here and there, but you can even argue it's 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 grown more. But still, that's the biggest thing I have an issue with him. Um, so I really think that he's you know he's not that good at controlling rebounds yet. He he's still he's still a good, very good goalie. He's going to be Pittsburgh's number one goalie at some point soon because Matt Murray's time is running out, mainly due to injuries, mainly because of the lack of consistency there in Pittsburgh. But I, I think really he- think that Tristan Jari's time is now and Matt Murray's time is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is I will say is the rebound control. Uh, so, so, again, um, a buddy of mine, um, he got – he, he wrote some notes on Tristan Jari a few years ago, and the, the notes still say the same. He even showed them to some current NHL scouts, and this is what they had to say about Jari. The rebound control sometimes is a relation to what's going on in front of him defensively, but as the scout says, like all young goalies, they have areas to prove on. Um, a very – you know, uh, you know. Uh, another scout said his, Jari's rebound control at the time was average, needs improvement. He needs to take command of his crease, and seldom does. He has holes where, when he is having an off night and pucks through, pucks go through him. You know, he needs to be tighter in his technique. And again, we've seen that where he has random. But again, like it, it was an awkward shot, but the one that went off of the, his helmet and into the net. It was just a weird shot, but again, it wasn't the best goal to give up. I'm sure he wants that back, but again, like that that's just the way the puck bounced that night. There were Here's the um, other thing. Here's the other yeah. thing. Would you be so lenient if Matt Murray had that goal going in the same type of way? Or would he give him more crap for it? It's it's tough. It's, so again, because the way that the puck was shot, you're talking about the helmet goal, right? Yeah, yeah. So the way the puck was shot is from the if you're looking at the net, the shot was puck from uh, the shot was taken from the left side of the net off the side of that, and then I don't know if that's just the way the puck went in, or it was just a perfect bounce kind of thing, or that's just it was like it was just meant to be. Oh, no matter what, it's just a perfect deflection, no matter what angle. Uh, no matter what, I I I think it, it's regardless of who's in net, it's a tough way to to block that shot. Either you gotta get up a very quick love up here, you might have to, because again, you don't want full prison duck. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to have it, it, again, and we saw this. Sorry, I'm laughing too much now about that. Um, but no, so um, we even had some goalies recently that they literally block the puck with their masks now granted it's a wrist shot coming at you and that could do some damage maybe but 
worst case scenario, if you're somehow get your able to get your mask in front of that puck to make the save and you gotta do it, you gotta do it. You're there last line of defense literally to make that stop. Now for Jari and Murray, no matter who's in net, I think that puck's going in no matter what. I think it's just one of those weird, bizarre, perfect angles. It was also that, one of those games because um, that last Penguins-Montreal game, Yeah. Um, it, the only way you were going to beat Jari, it seemed, was an ugly goal. And that was one we're, of them. Exactly. And because, again, and like, that's what, he has that's, his moments where he, yeah. he gets hot. But also, but then he has time, moments where he gets really cold. He right? lets in an ugly goal, and Matt Murray's the same way. Unfortunately, where they're almost not necessarily known for it, but it doesn't. It surprises me less if those goalies let in ugly goals like they had. Right. Again, um, you know, Game Four against the Canadians, Jari let in the helmet goal. And you know, there's some other goals. Uh, uh, game One, I think it was in. I, I believe it was it, ha, it was Murray. I believe it was in game one. If not, it was Jari in another game where there he was hugged up against the post and the puck just well, Jari squeaked only by the last game. So okay, well then it was Murray then. Um, but again, he, uh, Matt Murray was hugged up against against the post and the puck just squeaked through his arm. No idea how it went in. But those are the type of goals that doesn't unfor- unfortunately mm-hmm. for Pittsburgh's sake, it doesn't surprise yeah. me that those kind of goals go in. Both goals again, need to work on their angles. That's again, I'm not one making, of their biggest weaknesses. I will also say this because to wrap up a little bit on my my thinking of the Penguins is I don't want to make them an, an excuse, but they really did kind of get screwed over by this whole thing because they, they, they were they only like what yeah. two points away from the Flyers, maybe. Something and then like they that, had to yeah. play, yeah. And as I said earlier in the podcast. It seems to me that the teams in round robin, at least it's to me, it seems better if you have a little rougher just because you can get your feet going there versus win or go home in three games, three games, uh, five game series. Sorry. Yeah. And the Penguins never found it. They just never did. No. Even getting Jake Gensel back because everyone's, oh, Jake Gensel's back. This means they're going to be. Right. Which is the craziest thing because, again, on paper, Pittsburgh should have swept this series. Yeah, they had a healthy Jake Gensel. It really is. And again, when we last saw Jake Gensel, he made that gorgeous pass against the Philadelphia Flyers for that first goal to Connor Sheary in that exhibition game. And we thought, well, there's Jake Gensel. We'll probably tear it up in the playoffs just because, you know, he's playing great. And he didn't find his game much. I know Malkin didn't. Crosby didn't, especially. Crosby he came was back still doing his usual. from his injuries and stuff, and it yeah. took him quite a notice, while. I didn't know Aston Reese at all in the series. Yeah, Zach Aston Reese, he's he saw it, um, he's trying to find his spot with Pittsburgh. I think they can use him more than they already are mm-hmm. now, but I don't think they're using him yeah. enough. They're relying on other guys who are taking up ice time. That makes no sense. You know who I think put it best? Boosh. He said they were a dud, <laughs> and yeah, and their game four, they were a dud, and they. The were. one positive I will say that Pittsburgh had going for them the entire series, John Marino. He's a he's a rather young defenseman. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's the only good. He was the only. He was honestly the only good part about the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguins, uh, for their series. 
It yeah. really future was. Wise, yeah, future-wise, you should feel good about that. He's only 20. Oh, absolutely. He he really should be the Penguins uh, in their top four uh, defensive parents, in my opinion. Because right now, looking back at their defense, they have Chris Tang, Justin Schultz, Brian Giblin, Jack Johnson, Marcus Pedersen, who's locked up well. Uh, he's This is his final year of uh, a rookie contract, or entry-level contract, it looks like before he goes into a long-term four mil um, contract that starts next year for five years. Uh, so that's a big one. And again, that's even more cap space they got to worry about next year. So they got some very big cap issues to worry about, but they tried to reedle uh, Yusuf Ricola, Marcus Pedersen, John Marina, Jack Johnson, Brian Dublin, Justin Schultz, and Chris Letang. Honestly, the way John Marino, who's only 23, by the way, and just, awesome. uh, is on his – is uh, obviously with the season ending for Pittsburgh, will be on his final year of his entry-level contract before he needs a, a uh, extension. He looked the best out of all the Penguins defense. You know, Chris Letang had his moments here and there. Brian Dillon right didn't know as much. Justin Schultz, he's not worth the money. He's not worth the roster spot in my well, opinion. In the last game, Justin Schultz and Jack Johnson were together. Terrible pair. And that is a awful, awful – that's a dumpster again, fire pairing right there. Again, Mike Sullivan. Hello. Yeah, so so again, and it's, it's, it's moves like those that, again, to Mike's point, to make it even more fair, that – you slowly but surely really got to start cutting that leash on uh, uh, Mike Sullivan. So hey, just saying, Flyers fired John he- Ron Hextel just because he was pa- too patient. Granted, yeah. he was too patient. It was different cir- circumstances, but, but he was still fired when people were still kind of praising him, and we still praise him. Um, yeah. And also, think too, I forgot about Casey DeSmith. Yeah, and exactly. He's so again. Uh, I mean, he's twenty eight. He's older. He's right, very, but, but if say Matt the Smith Murray and Jari, to, they are a good Seattle, duo. Then. Right, and then again, even if they resign Murray or whatever they want to do with Matt Murray, even if they keep him around, he's going to go to Seattle most likely because they'll protect Chris, Tristan Jari and uh, Casey DeSmith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all I really oh. got on uh, Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, no, for yeah, Pittsburgh. a little bit of a deep dive there. So, yeah, and again, we'll, we'll continue to do our deep dives and everything, or, or start our deep dives officially at some point. We had obviously a lot to talk about and break down today. Uh, um, we are making Penguins fans obviously. Yes. But anyways, uh, let's transition over to the better Pennsylvania team. Uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap up today. And yes. The last little section we got here. It's going to be all Flyers. So um, the Flyers, uh, an almost shaky effort, uh, did come out with a victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, And again, out of all those round-robin teams, none of them have looked completely dominant. And I know they're not trying to show all their cards or whatever in terms of playing and also for the Flyers' sake. they played three different lineups in three different games and still had pretty much the same outcome. 4-1, 3-1, and 4-1. And Brian Elliott started the second game. So it just shows you the depth of this team and also how well, one, Carter Hart played, especially at the end of that game last night. Yes. And um, 
Brian Elliott played pretty well too. And I think his he one did. goal, the one goal he let in was pretty shaky, but I'm not taking that against him. He still played pretty well. The one thing I will say right away about Brian Elliott, I noticed the game that I do watch him play uh, against uh, Washington, correct? Yes. So one of the best things I saw, and this is a major improvement for Elliott throughout his time in Philadelphia. I don't know if you noticed this, but at one point uh, when Brian Elliott did not know where the puck was, it was in the air. He, he, he spread out his arms mm-hmm. and kind of went like this to kind of cover the, the, uh, the open area behind yeah. him yep. to cover the post. He's had, unfortunately, in his past, some goals that have went up the puck where the puck went up in the air and bounced in behind him, mm-hmm. specifically the stadium series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, where uh, it was Malkin or Kessel's shot. He stopped it, went up in the air, back behind him, and went between his feet, kicked it in. Right here in the game against the Capitals, the puck went in the air, and right away he was looking around like this, but he had his arms spread out to cover more ground to try to really find that puck and to try to really prevent it a less of a chance of it going in off of a weird bounce. So credit to Brian Elliott there for really, really, uh, you know, learning from his mistakes from the past. And again, those, again, we've seen some bizarre goals in the playoffs, like, you know, not even recently, but over all throughout time, we've been watching hockey and, and we, you know, and again, if Elliot can do anything like that to really help, um, you know, it will it will help make a difference. It will, but again, as I said earlier, my only worry for that would be if Elliot's playing, then there's either Hart's not playing well or he's hurt. Right. That's my only issue if Elliot is playing or the Flyers yeah. are playing well, and that's a change there. I'll, that's I'll my only worry way, there because Hart's starting I'll, no matter what. There's no oh, no, question. I agree, but I'll put it this way, Mike. So, an interesting note, I was listening to the Vegas Golden Knights-Colorado Avalanche game yesterday on my way home and uh, on the radio and uh, through the NHL app. And the Vegas announcers mentioned that if all goes basically according to plan, they expect, at least from what uh, Pierre DeBart has said, they expect for Vegas to, in I guess, in the first round to use both Mark andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. That. Yeah, I heard that too. Which is very interesting. So, it I'm is, not but saying if that the Flyers would do guess, similar. If I had to guess, it's dep- if, again, it's probably dependent on if they're playing well. If Leonard plays lights out, there's no reason to take him out. I don't right. If he's a little shaky, then I get it. If there's, or, a, yeah, back, vice versa. If there's a back-to-back like there were, was in this past series, then absolutely, that's perfect because then you have right. someone you can rely on for the backup. Yeah. Uh, um, again, and if the Flyers do something similar, hey, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, They've done in the past yeah. where back-to-backs, they don't really like both goalies going. Yeah. But. Again, plus it keeps, it keeps the teams guessing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, the whole the Flyers' whole thing throughout is still making the teams guess because every game has been yes. different. I'd love it if Ghost starts game one in the oh, I would round. Too. Is I, he going I really to? Think... I don't know. Hag Hag started the first two. I don't know. I'd love him. So to. we have a lot to also really... he should he should because actually this too because I just saw this when I was like on my phone a second ago when you're talking about Penguins. Claude Julian yeah. praised uh, the Flyers as the best team in the playoffs right now. 
There you go, Claude Julian. I love it. So oh, I love it. Not that I don't think the Flyers have looked about the best team so far in the playoffs. They're still shaky. It's still something I yes. brought up earlier in the po- earlier in the season, and they're still. We were texting last night. Yeah, the first ten minutes. It's a struggle for the Flyers. It takes a little time for them to get into games, and the Lightning almost capitalized. They had two. Yeah. They had two uh, breakaways against the Lightning. Yeah, That's Nikita why. Kucherov was one of them, and again. It's, now, at it's the moment, I don't time. have to worry about it because you don't have to play the Maple Leafs, but that was my worry about the Maple Leafs. That's yeah. the other thing was that even though at the end, the Flyers were a little gassed, but also the Lightning have very good speed as well. And we, you the saw Leafs, it. The Maple Leafs are another team. The Flyers have average to okay, average speed, yeah. The, high, the better speed guys are TK. Ghost still has some, but with his knee. Aubrey Kubel. the same, yeah. But either way, they have. They're not going to be able to go as fast as, say, uh, Edmonton, Tampa Bay, or uh, Toronto. So Toronto. Well, you don't have to worry about Edmonton anymore. So. Well, they're in the other uh, conference, so that I don't know why I mentioned them, but just because speed. But. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, at the same time, Montreal does play with speed too, so they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, they do have Jonathan Drew and they have the Asperi Kotsikin and Amy Max Domi, who's a tremendous amount line. of speed. Yeah, and that still blows my mind. But the other, Why? that's one thing. With the the question mark with Montreal is there's no clear goal scorers. They're gonna get points all four lines. Yeah. And um, but the, uh, Flyers, the Flyers, I they are goes, the reason why I want goes to play. That's the whole reason why I was uh, starting this little tangent here. I was going on. Um, outside of the first ten minutes, that was a struggle. The power play has been a huge struggle. I don't think they've capitalized once in the round over robin. 10, if not over 11 now in the round robin series. That's awful. For that case, Ghost should then be playing in the playoffs. And if it were on up the to first me, power play unit. Yes. Yes. And no offense to Provorov at all. He's done well when he's gotten it, but that's where Ghost thrives. Ghost should be back in that spot. Pro, throw Provorov. If it's up to me, if I'm Michelle Tarian, who I don't like really that much. No. He's one of the few. He's a, one of the few guys we've been able to argue, uh, complain about coaching wise, because um, again he's thrown Drew Drew a couple times on the opposite uh, side. But I'd throw. Yep. I'd take Niskanen off the power play, in general, and put Provorov and Sandheimer Myers, and then okay. goes back on the first unit. And and, uh, and that's fair to say. And again. Um, and kind of going back to also, I think I, that would also benefit yeah. Niskanen too because his minutes then go down a little bit, but and, also, and he gets more energy in also, more crucial moments of the game. Sandheim and Myers are just so much better offensively at the moment than Niskanen is. No offense to Niskanen, he still has that ability, but I kind of trust them more on the power play, right? And for Niskanen, I would like to see him just on all those, I think he'll, he'll be just fine on the power play unit. Save him for the penalty kill. He's exactly. a great defender. He's he going to play everywhere score. else. Him and Provo are playing everywhere else. So exactly. If give him time, time to if there's relax. One time give him time, time little, to get yeah. his feet back. Whether it's yeah. Provo on the second unit and maybe Niskanen now on the power play, then that's one way to limit yeah. their ice time by not limiting their ice time. Yeah. Or, or again, just use Sanhan Myers and Gossespierre. That's three of the four spots and then, uh, on the blue line. And then a fourth one, give it to a forward. Just split it up. 
Yeah. It's fine. So either way, you'll you'll have two defensemen on one blue line uh, or maybe power play unit Lawton's and one for the other. Playing well on that second unit for the forwards, you go Hayes, JVR, and Lawton. Get That's a, a that solid piece. lineup too. Yeah, um, that's the first, that's the second unit essentially, except so for TK. Right, yeah. So right now, here's and what the JBR. lines look like for the Flyers. So, and this is what we saw last night on the first line: Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and Joel Farabee. He took Jake Borchek's spot. I don't know what's wrong. Um, he just wasn't playing. He's just unfit to play for right now. I don't know. I think it's something personal. I don't think he's just injured or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it's so. personal. I don't know if he's left. Nothing's really been said if he's left the bubble, if you can really say it. I don't think but. he's left the bubble. Um, so there's that. So that's kind of important to know. Uh, uh, but going Raffles back to the, another big loss for the Flyers. Big er loss. I don't think Michael Raffle is going to be out as long as everyone expects him to be. Um, Raffle I, e- I don't either. His injury saying, still was a big loss because, again, he plays, he plays a huge role in the depth for the Philadelphia Flyers. And needs to replace someone like Connor Ben Bunneman, who has done jack crap lately and had not frankly not a good enough job. Um so tell us how you really feel that. about Connor Bunneman, Jeff. <laughs> Shoot him into the moon. Oh my god. I I mean, I, I, I mean I it's not Carson uh, Trewinsky to play than Bunneman. Or hell, Morgan Frost. Yeah, that wasn't – Mitch and I did have that discussion of as a fourth line trying Farabee and Frost. And that would be a good line. Anyway, so back to the lines, though. Uh, Scott Long, Kevin Hayes, Travis Kenney, holy hell, what a line. That line is staying put. I'm calling it the chirp line that is staying put. I love it. Those three guys together, they are dominating. Whether – just – oh, gosh. It, it, it's it's seriously it's such a dominating line. It's amazing. Uh, third oh. line. This one is a very interesting line, but they I love really it. James much. Van Riemsdyk. They haven't done much, unfortunately. Right, they haven't done much with James Van Riemsdyk, Derek Grant, and Nicholas Abe Kubel. Except for Abe Kubel line. Yeah, but again, the second goal, he wasn't even with his linemates. He was with Sean Couturier. Yeah. I he think was, it was just he, in the middle of a line change. And yeah. And this fourth line, it's not a good line. Nate Thompson, Connor Bunneman, and Tyler Pitlick. It's not great. I don't have a problem with Thompson because, you know, although he doesn't look great. You need a center there. You need a center there, but especially also playoff experience. Lots, especially with thoughts in the second line, you need a fourth liner. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, I would I mean, if Bunneman does – Thompson and Pitlick, that's fine. Yeah. Pitlick – I mean, if and if when he your, gets healthy, if this Michael Raffle problem him. right now, and it's just because Raffle's hurt. I don't think right. it's that big of a deal because it's your fourth line. They're out there for what? That's true. But again, the way at, that they're out there for eight minutes at best, and at the playoffs, it's going to be probably a little less, even though AV really likes using all four lines. So either way, it's eight minutes, and they're not going to be out there too, too much. The, the way I'll, I'll put it is like this. And so for the Flyers, Back when Raffle was healthy, they had a first line, a second line, and two third lines. That's how good and how much depth that this team has. But with Bunneman there and Thompson together with Pitlick, it's back to a fourth line. There's no such thing as two third lines again for the Flyers. That's where they need Raffle to back and to get healthy as soon as he possibly can. But again, even if you have one of Voracek or Raffle in the lineup, you bump someone down the line, which is fine. 
and then you get rid of Bunneman or Thompson or both if Borchek and Raffle come back. This line, this I mean, lineup is even more lethal. When Raffle does come back, if I believe. Um, He'd go in the third not, line. Not and Ruffle, sorry, uh, Borchek. I'm assuming he comes back before Bunneman would be out anyways because Fairview, I'm assuming, would stay in because he's played well. He has, he has played very, very well. And this team is so much better with Joel Fairby and all that. So let's say the if... Only reason, I think the only reason why Bunneman is playing is because there's two out. Right. And, and I, exactly I'd honestly why. would rather him than Andrioff, if we're being honest here. That I agree with. I'm not a fan of either. Uh, they're just a fill-in spot. But again, I'd rather see someone like Morgan Frost get a chance. Um, it's very little chance that he does get a chance. But if they're playing a rookie, throw in Morgan Frost. He's going to do more than Connor Bunneman. Bunneman looked awful last night he turned the puck over he made too many awful plays i mean it was can, an embarrassing point i can point game. out to a couple flyers that didn't look right last night so oh no for sure and again, but also not i'm not taking in. anything out of that either because even though headman did get hurt last night yeah um and they don't didn't have stamp coach the lightning are just the best team it's on paper yeah. they're just easily the best team 100 percent. now at the moment i don't think it's a huge loss without headman Deeper into the playoffs, if Hedman's out, that's a big loss for them. Yeah, so we don't know how long Hedman's out for. Um, yeah. He and we and unfortunately we won't know because of how the new rules are and everything. But it definitely looked like his ankle. I don't know if if it's like a broken ankle or what, but it's Hopefully it did not look good. You say it's just a sprain. Hopefully it's just a spring because I would really hate to see someone like Victor Hedman be out uh, for a while. Yep. Uh, there's no update yet from Tampa Bay on Victor Hedman uh, from Joe Smith two hours ago. Worth noting, because um, Joe Smith also, he covers the Lightning for the Athletic. Uh, he tweeted out uh, two hours ago, worth noting that the Lightning only brought nine defensemen to the bubble, citing the fact that no team in the last year, the last 10 years needed more than nine D in the playoffs. They're already down two defensemen before game one. With Jan Ruta unfit to play, they still have seven, but their depth is tested. So things are getting a lot more interesting. Yep. Um, For the Lightning. Yeah. Quickly, Jeff. Yes. I think that's – I don't know how much Chelsea got on the Flyers, but that's all I have, really. Um, the only other um, thing I was gonna say how do you is think, we kind of yeah. How do you think they'd f- fare against Montreal? Not that it's. I I like what their chances against Montreal the best of the either the Maple Leafs Columbus do, possibility not, yeah. or the um or you know of these three Columbus, teams Toronto, I'm, yeah. I prefer Montreal. Uh, I I like again I think Montreal should not be taken. Uh, so lightly. let's not forget. Yeah. Even though it was three on three. Remember what Provorov did the last time yeah. against Montreal? Oh, by the way, about that play, an underrated moment, I believe, is from Kevin Hayes. He yelled from the bench, forward, Provy, forward. He yelled forward at Ivan Provorov, mm-hmm. letting him know that Max Domi was covering the defense. So Provorov knew it was not a defenseman who did not play that. No offense to Domi, he did not play recover program well enough on that play to make that. But uh, so that was an under moment. I will also say the Flyers did deserve that number one spot. Even oh, absolutely. Tampa Bay played significantly better in that game. Absolutely. And the other two games, they looked good, but 
they kept yeah. giving up leads. Yes. The one they wanted to shoot out, and the other one came down to the last couple minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, so here's all right, here's my thing about Montreal, and then one last thing about the Flyers in general. So for Montreal, I don't think the Flyers should take them lightly. Um, they I don't I don't think AV will la- allow them to take them lightly. No. Also, uh, fun fact, his former organization. So there you go. But so here is how the uh, Canadians match up against the Philadelphia Flyers. Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, Brendan Gallagher, their first line. That's a pretty solid first line. A lot of speed, though, in Nick Suzuki and Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher is a very pesky player um, who can score and bring a lot of energy, kind of like TK, also wearing number 11 on the wing. That will be a good matchup for... Sean yeah. Couturier and Claude Giroux, as along you get with farther, whoever is on that top line. Once you get line. farther down those lines, it gets a lot, a lot, not, not, not that good. It's not well, it's not the best. It's not the best, not the worst. So they have Jonathan Druin, Jesperi Katsuginimi, and Joel Armia. Second line, that's a very good second line, in my opinion. Uh, okay. That could, they could honestly hasn't, argue that. Honestly, Druin hasn't done too, too much since leaving Tampa Bay. He hasn't. Um, he's had his moments uh, in that. Oh gosh, in that game against the Penguins, where he blew that penalty shot, where he tried to get fancy and the puck slid off his uh, stick. That was bad. Kazakin Nimi, he's still finding his game. He's he's playing well, but he's still finding his game. Armia, he is provides a lot also, of depth. I'm just a little surprised playing. that he's we, on the second line. That's all. We are playing Dale Weiss and Jordan Wheel. Yeah, so there's that. Um, Even though I don't Terry think Terry Lekkanen, Philip Denault, and Paul Byron, their third line. Denault, he is a good player to watch out for. Uh, for the Flyers, they need to have someone covered. Denault, I think he should not go unnoticed. Uh, he's a lot better than he seems. Uh, he could provide a spark for him and Lekkanen seem to be having some sort of connection uh, – but, you know, or some sort of uh, chemistry together. Then the fourth line, this is just – it's like you're picking names out of a hat. Dale Weiss, Alex Belzeal, and Max Domi all together on the fourth line. This makes no sense. This is the only line I don't get for Claude Julien. Max Domi does not belong on the fourth line. I don't get it. It makes no sense. I, it, it's a mind grenade for me. Here's where it gets interesting. Ben Chariot, Shea Weber, Brett Kulak, Jeff Petrie, who by the way has been on fire for the Habs, scoring two huge goals for the Montreal Canadiens against the Pittsburgh Penguins in their series, and Xavier Ouellette and Victor Mete on defense. Um, Canadians, they have, I'll I'll say this, I'll put it like this. They have a lot of speed. If they wish to advance more, Harry Price will have to stay on his head again. Do exactly. I think he did that? No, I do not. I don't have that much faith in Carey Price to keep it up for that long. But again, also the way that the Flyers' depth has been playing. Again, we mentioned that the Flyers' big players. I also for, um, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek, uh, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konecki. None of them scored a single goal in those three round robin games. It was all their depth players. That is scary. The fact that not a single one of their star players had scored doesn't mean that they didn't get assists. They just didn't uh, put the uh, biscuit in the basket. And 
They are the first seed in the Eastern Conference here in the 2020 playoffs. That is beyond scary. So Carey Price is really going to have to be careful. Uh, their defense in uh, – honestly, they're big, Obviously. they're big players in Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, and honestly Victor Mete, who's a young player, but he has a lot to learn. Uh, this is going to be a real strong test for them this season. So that is something to watch out for. I'll tell the fourth line maybe just as Max Domi. I think each of the four Flyers' four lines, because obviously the Katuri line is going to go up against Brendan Gallagher, and I think any of those Flyers' four lines can go up against the Canadians' four lines easily. Right. The only thing so, that makes me hesitate the fourth line is Max Domi. Yeah. I mean, I know what I'm. I know what we're going to get with Dale Weiss. So. <laughs> uh, so I'll put it this way. So don't. The, don't I, the Flyers have done better of this too, especially in the Red Robin. Uh, don't take dumb penalties or try not to take as many penalties. Yes, that is a Shea, huge one. We saw a few uh, of that last night. Yeah, don't let Shea Weber get his shot off. No. Even though he's older, he still has that shot. So, I will say this for the Flyers and the Canadians. The Flyers lead the season series 2-1. to one. I'm throwing out out of the window. That doesn't mean anything season to me. Season series mean nothing to me. Exactly. This is a uh, complete new animal um i the only trouble i give the canadians uh, giving the flyers is that again um they played down to the canadians and the habs ran all over them i think it was a 4-1 win back in january and you know that that's not a good thing for the flyers to do so and again the last thing i kind of want to get into here mike about the Flyers is that, uh, and again, we saw this at the end of the game, and you even pointed it out, was that the Flyers, um, they played back, and that ended up, you know, like they, they, they didn't play their best game. They really didn't towards the final uh, final period, Six. and that really... Uh, I'd say majority yeah. of that game was Tampa Bay. It, it, it really was. And they actually put a great, I think Boosh may have even said it in the broadcast, I know it wasn't Millberry, but um, <laughs> the penalties deflated the Flyers. It really did. They looked very flat in the second. In the third period, they had their moments where they looked pretty good, but they took some dumb penalties. Travis connecting, not the did, smartest they, play they, they there. Score. The Flyers were perfect all, pe- all uh, round round, round, round shorthanded, and then they had the one goal. Their one goal yeah. came on their power play. Um. One of the X factors for the Flyers, I will say, they need to figure out their power play. If they want to advance, That's, they yep. need to figure that out. They really do. The and only I, other thing I have left to say about this Flyers Canadian series: focus on the Montreal Canadiens. Don't focus on the second round. Don't focus again. on the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't focus on the Stanley Cup Finals. Don't focus on being Stanley Cup champions. Focus on. <laughs> The Montreal Canadiens in round one. I that think the is your thing goal. that makes this team so great is that I don't think they worry about the next opponent or the following opponent or the next round. They're worried about that game and that game alone. If right. it's the Red Wings, Which, again, they're going to care about the Red Wings. They're not going to look at the Red Wings, and if they're playing the Penguins next, care about the Red, the uh, Penguins. Yeah. They might start like Brian Elliott over Carter Hart or something, but outside of that, they're gonna, still going to take them equally as seriously. Again, which is nice. Also, but again, this my too, point is this is going to be so key, even if he doesn't play 
Oscar Lindblom joined the team yeah. on Friday, I believe. At least that's when he was scheduled to join the team. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I haven't heard really anything about that, but I'm assuming right. you're probably not going to hear that. Um, but he joined the team, whether he actually – obviously he has a quarantine for a bit, and then he can join the team. But at that point, that alone will boost the Flyers. The fact that he's even in Toronto already, that's a huge uplifting amount for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't, he, it, was, it wasn't already because they were playing for him already, but now that he's yeah, now that he's going to be actually there, there in person. Yes. They know he beat his cancer. He's going to be in. He's going to be in the stands. And the fact that he's there and he's watching his boys, his teammates play, and they're playing for him. Oh my gosh! I'm telling yeah. you, watch out. Watch out, because again, this Flyers team—they've been doing—they've been red hot all year long and everything. And again, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I am yeah. not a Philadelphia fan that's gonna go. Oh, we're gonna win it all. I'm not doing that quite yet. Um, yeah. But quickly, Jeff, we've been on here for a while. But uh, yes. one last seg- segment. Let's do a quick preview, or I guess our thoughts of this game five tonight. Uh, yes. So we kind of predicted, uh, gave our Columbus predictions earlier. Um, yes. So we kind of gave our predictions earlier here, Mike. We both said Toronto would win. La- the last two games, we saw a very unique uh, very situation. Both I was ready. Yeah, I was already ready. And four. <laughs> when I texted you, I was like, yeah, this game's over. I was like, oh, it's 3 3 now. It's going yeah. overtime. I, I, I texted you saying Toronto's done. My bad. They well, could have done the same thing the day before because Toronto was the team that was beating, winning, and that was literally the opposite. And yeah. uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who you actually wanted to bring up in this podcast, I believe, that I just remembered. Yes. So we can find, we can talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois in the Columbus Blue Jackets real quickly along with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, we're, so, this is already long enough. This is easily going to be broken down into segments. So. Oh, absolutely. But anyway, so Mike, so all right, final Thoughts about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois first. He's such an underrated player. So I get it. The Columbus Blue Jackets aren't that great. You know, they're they're trying to make a name for themselves. They their system, similar to the Islanders system, because it's defensively oriented yes. and they're pesky forechecking and all that and shut down the neutral zone. That's what works for them. And because and that the works way, for them, that's why, yeah. that's why it works. That's the thing that helps them is that Toronto doesn't have a great defense. Yeah. And the they're, Islanders they're sake, exploiting they're that. Playing f- yeah. The Islanders, they didn't know how to defend very well, so they were able to take care of the Panthers. But we're going to stick for the Columbus Blue Jackets here rather than Barry yeah. Trotz's team, but they both have a similar system. Yes. And m- my thing is uh, is that – As for, I like to call, yeah. boring. boring and, and again, and, and you have a, a, a good point. It's pretty boring to watch, but it's so – Annoying. Like it, it's it reminds me it, it is annoying. Excuse me. It reminds me of um Peter I mean, the, system honestly, in the, for the 2012 New Jersey. The Blues Devils. play the same way and they won the cup. So the Blues have a similar system. Craig Ruby. Yeah. But I, I just enjoy watching the Blues play more than the Blue Jackets. Because but they the at Blues, least have offensive power or that's true. Players that but, can actually yeah. make it so it's not just defensively oriented. <laughs> That makes it a little more fun. But I will say this, though. Going back to the Columbus' offense, specifically Pierre-Luc Dubois, 
the way he plays his game is perfect for John Tortorella's system. He is he can be pesky. He's good at winning faceoffs. Mm-hmm. He can win those battles against the board. Oh, and he can put up goals left and right. He put up a freaking hat trick the other night. Uh, this kid he, to win the game. He it, it, exactly to win the game, and he's he's already a stud player for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And these playoffs are the qualifying rounds. I just said the postseason is a great reason why teams should t- people should tune in now to see how great Pierre Luc Dubois is. In 2016, the Blue Jackets had third overall. They shocked everybody by going Pierre Luc Dubois. They thought everyone thought who. Who's Pierre-Luc Dubois? And the best way I'll put it, the way his game reminds me of, and I've talked to a a scout or two from Columbus before, and obviously clearly they they love his game, and I even praise their their great work for finding Dubois. I've watched so much highlights of him. He is – again, this might be a little out there, but I like to see it this way. We got the next Jonathan Tate coming up in Pierre-Luc Dubois just a little bit faster. Okay. He can shut not, players down. He can score. He can pass. He can do it yeah, all. That's, that's not a terrible comparison. I don't think it's. Uh, again, I mean, like terrible saying, because yeah. I don't think it's that. No, far I'm saying away, it's. I'm not saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. But my thing for Pierre Luc Dubois is there's so much on his shoulders. Not this season, and to continue. And that's on, the issue. Is there's so much on his shoulders, playoffs, like you said, because last playoffs when they did sweep the lightning even lightning. though it's so pesky they had Bobrovsky even though Bobrovsky is shaky they had Panarin they had uh, Duchesne for a little bit those guys were able enough for Dubois to kind of go almost unnoticed even though he's still noticeable those guys took over the helm mostly of the offense now that those guys are gone not Bobrovsky he's a goalie mm-hmm. but um, he now kind of has to be the and Unfortunately, even though it sucks, you need more offensive players. When it's Wierenski and Seth Jones and Pierre-Luc Dubois, mainly your offensive's powered, that's where you're going to struggle. As you get farther, and if you do advance and beat Toronto tonight, you're going to have a tough task again because Tampa Bay is not going to allow you to do what they did last time. Coleman's an asshole. Oh, I I hate hate Coleman. He... Is he's an asshole, so he can he can stir some stuff up there, and yeah. the thing that may help them is that there's no headman. But McDonough, Again, and, yeah, McDonough, I will admit, played really well last night. Oh, he played superb last. It was, night. It was almost amazing. it was almost prime New York Rangers McDonough. Hey, no, I thought night. the same thing. McDonough looked incredible last but night. He was a lot for, of fun to watch. Yeah. He was great. He's going to be on them, as as yeah. Point and Kucherov and those guys, it, at Paquette, those guys are all going to be guys up against uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and they can't allow yeah. them to get too comfy in their system. The thing about Columbus is, even though as good as Pierre-Luc Dubois is, and same as Dylan Larkin, you can put him in the same category, because they don't have this. It's not Connor McDavid, where Connor McDavid can drive the offense because he's that great these guys need other pieces around them for that offense to do well at least the team wise so if you yeah. score early enough on Columbus even though pure luck about that all on himself and again 
Toronto can't the best. always rely on Dubois. Yeah. He got a hat trick in that game, and Toronto does have the best defense. As you get farther into this playoffs, you could potentially have to play Boston. Washington, even though John Carlson's hurt and you don't know what he's going to be back when he does come back, that's still going to be hard. Um, obviously, Tampa Bay, it's not going to be easier and it's not going to be an easy task. You already have a hard task in an offensive-minded Toronto who desperately wants to win a playoff or play- postseason series. So it's going to be a fun game tonight. I think it pretend- – I can see it being uh, – it's really uh, – observation about me. I could see either being very low scoring, similar to the Pittsburgh Montreal series, mm-hmm. or I can see it being like a high scoring game. I can see it being either way, see- but I'm leaning more towards the not so offensively minded because you got those in the last two games. I think today right. it's, it's going to be kind of a low. also Jake Muzzin hurts the Maple Leafs, yeah. but he was skating. So he was skating. He's apparently I don't know if I think he's technically outside the bubble, which is wild. Uh, but he's skating, so I'm curious to see how. Um, no, I thought he was yeah. in the bubble. I I don't even know. He pes- he's done his quarantine time. I think he's back with the team. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Because after he was at after he came back from the hospital, he went he went right to the bubble. To, yeah, he went back to the bubble. He was then quarantined, and I think now he was done his quarantine time. Yeah. Now I don't think he's going to play. Obviously, he's not playing tonight, but I don't know how long right. longer if they do advance. Yeah. I so all right. Just quickly. Yeah. Let's do our predictions, Jeff. For- right. Um, who do you got? Oh, well, all right. I lied. Who do you got? Uh, we got uh, both Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think you say it's a low-scoring game. What's your score? I think it, it's another overtime. I think it goes 2-1 Toronto. I'm going right. to go uh, – one second. I'll go Mitch Marner. I'll go Mitch Marner one of the goals, and I'll go the game winner will go to uh, William Nylander. There you go. The lone goal scorer for Columbus will be Wierenski. Nice. So I'm going to go the exact opposite direction because uh, a huge reason in the Leafs defense has a huge hole in it, especially with Zach, uh, Zach uh, Jake Muzzin out now. Uh, that's going to be a huge scoring game tonight. It's going to be a 5-4 victory for the Leafs in regulation. I have Alexander Texier, Cam Atkinson, uh, Oliver Borgstrand, and Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring for the Jackets and for the Leafs. Ilya Mikheyev, Kapanen, Nick Robertson, Hyman, and you got to go Austin Matthews, the winner of game four, right. send it to game five. And I don't know who's going to get the fifth goal for the Leafs, but those are the five Leafs who are winning game five here, five to four to advance to the first round. To and face Tampa Bay. To face Tampa Bay. So either way, it's not of much. Course, but, yeah. Of course, the actual, obviously it's postseason playoff qualifier to get in. Of course, the first playoff would be against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Which it probably would have been if the same anyway. would have and yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so either way, it's not really much. Which of I am actually really glad Leafs. that I don't know if I said it yet on the podcast. I'm just gonna do my last little final thoughts here and then I think we yes. might be 
finally done the podcast. But um, the one thing I do like for the today's outcome so far, at least for the Capitals and uh, Bruins' sake, is that for the Bruins to not play well, I pref- I like that they're playing the Hurricanes rather than the Islanders because I feel like that would have been an easier opponent for them to face for them to get their feet going because I, I think Bose could play a similar system and Boston is just significantly better than the Islanders are. They are, but again, and again, we, we can win the uh, – And the thing that sucks that for the, the Flyers now is that they're on the same side of the bracket as both Carolina and Boston. So if they do beat Montreal, they're facing one of those two teams. But again, I'm okay with that because I think if Carolina wins, which I think they will against Boston, that will be such a great series. Um, Again, I'm not worried about the second round at all right now. I'm just worried about the Flyers taking care of business against the Montreal Canadiens. The only other thing we're waiting still is we Mm -hmm. knew the playoffs start Tuesday. We are so close to figuring out who's playing who. Um, we have game five tonight. We have, of course, right now the Blues. They are uh, taking it to the, the Stars. Uh, Dallas Stars. I believe it's two nothing. Uh, it's at least one nothing right now. It could be two nothing uh, if I'm not mistaken. We'll have to double check that. But either way, though, things are looking good for the St. Louis Blues. One nothing. I don't know. It's one nothing after two. Um, there you go. But. Um, Oh, well, we'll go from there and, and see what happens. But the playoffs, they start Tuesday. Yep. Game five tonight starts oh, in yes. just Wait. under three hours. One last, last, last thing. Um, <laughs> our little wager. Jeff and I have, yes. have a little wager going. $20 on the line for tomorrow's. That's right. Because we didn't pre- we didn't share our predictions with who we think will win the draft lottery. Well, let's do so this right the way. Now. Yeah, so it's tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, the draft lottery. Mike does not agree with me that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to get the first overall pick. Who do you think is going to get the first overall pick? This one doesn't surprise me too much, but it would be a cool one to see. I think it's going to be Florida. And and again, put down on my bet. That's my bet for you. That twenty dollars. Yes. All right. So, and my bet, of course, is the is uh, Pittsburgh. So. But so then you had the thing of two putting two out there, right? Yeah. So so we we did one where so it's it's either we'll get twenty dollars in two different ways. It's either our obvious pick. My obvious pick is the Penguins. Your obvious pick is the Panthers. Oh, 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 oh sorry. Obvious pick. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going Edmonton. Edmonton, which is obvious. And my surprise pick is the National Predators. Yours is the uh, Panthers. Florida Panthers, yep. Yeah. Both Either way, use two out of those four teams are very deserving. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'll put it this way. Again, Nashville could use them. Um, I think no matter who it is, as long as the team outside the Metropolitan Division, I don't care who it is. Yeah, I agree. Even if it's Columbus, I wouldn't care that that much. Because it's like that's if, true. Because it's like if Panarin, oh, it's when they had Panarin again. Yeah, but it, but again, ugh, just please don't make send it to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah I that's agree. all I had to say. Uh, that's all I've got. I yeah. I think this is this is definitely the longest podcast we've oh, yeah. ever done. <laughs> so uh, stick out, stay up to date. This whole thing will be on our podcasting pages. If you do remember from my disclaimer I put at the beginning of the podcast. 
head over, stay up to date WQ podcast on our Twitter page. That's going to be the best case because we're going to break each segment down, and those will be on our YouTube page on the under the Mike and Mitch podcast page, which will soon become the Wimmer and Quake podcast page. Yes. Uh, and with that, that's what we got. We'll see you. Enjoy game five. Yep. We'll see you next time.